In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. That's right, everybody. Saddle up, get on the horse, and let's ride to the sound of the guns tonight on this, our second show of a brand new year of broadcasting here on TPC. I'm James Edwards, along with Keith Alexander. And I want to say right at the top of the program, happy anniversary, mom and dad. Uh, today is my parents' 45th wedding anniversary. 45 years of being together. Uh, they did it the old-fashioned way. They got, they got married, and then they started their family. I was born 42 years ago, and... My brother a little bit after that, and uh, I want to thank them for having me, for raising me, for not aborting me, and uh, for giving me everything I needed to be here uh, tonight with you, Keith Alexander, 45 years. Uh, that's the kind of way we want to do it. My parents had their 50th anniversary back in the 90s, so uh, <laughs> I've got a few on you. <laughs> How about that? Well, happy anniversary to my parents, uh, married on this day in 19. 19- 78. We do have a great show for you tonight. A lot to talk about. I mean, a lot to talk about. Uh, making his third appearance in as many months, former United States Representative Steve King will be back with us in the second hour tonight. He's going to help us navigate all the fallout from that most contentious week in Washington. He's going to share his thoughts on the winners and the losers as uh, the slim GOP majority begins its work. Really a lot to dive into with Steve King. Uh, also tonight, just added literally about 30 minutes before showtime, I uh, texted Lauren Witzke, the firebrand former Republican nominee for the United States Senate out of the state of Delaware, and she's going to be back, and Steve King will talk about this too, but she will also be talking about a bill that has just been introduced by Representative Sheila Jackson Lee. How could you have such a great name? Imagine your last name being Jackson Lee, uh, the Democrat out of Texas. Uh, but she has introduced a bill, having a name like that and being this terrible, uh, she's introduced a bill that's going to make it a federal crime if it got enacted into law for white people to criticize mass immigration or to say anything that she uh, considers to vilify a non-white person or group. That really does go to show, and we'll bring this up with the former congressman. Uh, Steve King served 18 years in Congress with this woman, so he's got some stories. I was texting with Steve earlier today. He said, I've been all around the world with her. I'm going to tell you some stories tonight. And also the former 
Republican nominee for United uh, for uh, United States Senate, Lauren Witzke. Uh, this does show you what the Democrats would do if they were left unencumbered, Keith Alexander. But also tells us what we need to do, <coughs> James. In red states like Texas and Tennessee, we need to redistrict all of these Democrats out of their gerrymandered positions. And we were just looking <coughs> at the map of Sheila Jackson Lee's uh, congressional district. And believe me, it is the most incredible gerrymander you could ever imagine. They worked night and day. It looks so like a piece of a jigsaw puzzle in metropolitan Houston is what her, where her district is, right by Hobby Airport for anybody that's familiar and, and has flown see, into and see, there. see, if you didn't have a gerrymander like that, you would have a good, solid, well, at least a Republican uh, and not a Democrat in there. And we need to do that, for example, in Memphis, Tennessee. We have a gerrymandered district so that the black population of Memphis can have their own. And ironically, it's not a black representative. It's a Jewish representative, Steve Cohen. And with the numbers so tight right now between Democrats and Republicans in the House of Representatives, we need to stop this foolish notion that we're somehow gaining goodwill by allowing the Democrats to have representation in red states. We need to basically uh, redistrict them out of existence. So you mentioned Steve Cohen, who is in Memphis proper. I mentioned this last week when we were talking about, I got to ask Steve King about this in a minute too, about the ABC rap that Akeem Jeffries did. And Steve will mention this tonight when he comes on, of course, but uh, let me pull up where we were communicating earlier today. He was, he was talking about how he was uh, – he said, only two of us fought the hate crimes legislation when it went through. We knew it would be a cudgel for the race card players. Uh, now this is going to be added to it, question mark. And uh, he mentioned Sheila Jackson Lee and Hakeem Jeffries being just completely race obsessed, uh, which, of course, they are. And uh, But you mentioned Steve Cohen. Hakeem Jeffries, and I mentioned this last week, Hakeem Jeffries, Sheila Jackson Lee, and Steve Cohen were all part of that cohort that asked to be recognized when Congress was taking its, its, its their turn uh, to denounce me. All three of them were the ones, were three of, of those who went on the record on that uh, uh, very last all three of them monumental to, day in my life. Let me say this. <clears throat> in regard to all three of those people, I would paraphrase or quote the great bard William Shakespeare and say, out, out, damn spot. Let's get this <laughs> in the damn spot being their gerrymandered district. We need to have regularly drawn districts that are not gerrymandered. And if we did that, we would eliminate all of these traitors in our midst here in red state America that we're required to uh, tolerate. Don't tolerate anymore. You're not getting any credit for it. So what are you doing it for? Well, this is the thing, and I was mentioning, well, I don't want to mention everything we're going to mention when these guests are on, but I'm going to ask Lauren Witzke, you know, when are we going to have somebody that says, this is anti-white, this isn't anything, is, are Black Lives Matter terrorists going to be held to the same thing where you're a conspiracy? Well, we'll get in, I, I'm going to stop right Just there. Just imagine this, what if you replace the word white with black in that law? And just imagine the hackles that would raise. Well, that bill that she wants to see enacted as law, yes. But anyway, we're foreshadowing too much. We're going to let Steve King break down uh, with this. Uh, it's 
House Resolution 61, what it reads and what it would do, and then we'll talk about it, and then we'll compare and contrast uh, different scenarios and hypocrisies and double standards. But that's all. Anyway, long story short, I guess you know by now, Steve King and Lauren Winsky are on deck this evening, and uh, we're always excited to talk to them. Now, another thing that's happening in the world today, making international news, is the political unrest in Brazil uh, that has surrounded... Very similar to January the 6th. Very similar to January 6th, except I think some of the Bolsonaro aficionados have uh, are actually a little bit more militant. Well, we'll find out for sure, though. Now, I know what the Washington Post is saying about what's going on down in Brazil, uh, but we do have a correspondent down in Brazil, a longtime listener, a longtime friend of the program, longtime donor. Uh, down in Brazil, and he has agreed to come on incognito. He's uh, our man in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, that's right, and he's going to be on tonight to talk to us about what's going on in Brazil. Just if you don't know, and you might not know, uh, but it is pretty big geopolitical news. You could just Google Bolsonaro Brazil, and I'm sure that you would see how the American media is covering it, and we're going to ask him to tell us what's going on in his opinion vis-a-vis how the American media is covering it. That's coming up this hour. That's coming up this hour. Then Steve King, then Lauren Witzke. We'll, uh, Keith Alexander and I will be back with a couple of uh, quick shots in the next segment, and then we're going to get to work. And a lot of work to be done tonight. Stay tuned, everybody. Antelope Hill Publishing is America's leading publisher of dissident books bringing you a wide variety of new translations and original works on every subject from the Spanish Civil War to the funding behind the transgender movement. Antelope Hill publishes books that mainstream publishers won't touch, full of information that challenges the political status quo and brings real culture to the reading public at an affordable price. If you count yourself as a political dissident, you owe it to yourself to check out the Antelope Hill catalog with exclusive offerings like Solzhenitsyn and the Right, the Open Society Playbook, Opioids for the Masses, and many more. There's something there for everyone, and new titles are added every month. Check out the catalog today at antelopehillpublishing.com. That's antelopehillpublishing.com. I'm James Edwards, and I want you to go to antelopehillpublishing.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8:44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries.
All right, everybody. Welcome back. We're just getting started tonight. We're just setting the table, really. Let's go through a quick grab into the mailbag, and then I got a couple of very quick hits, and we're going to get to uh, one outstanding contributor after another tonight. Uh, how about this that came in from East Islip? I have mispronounced this so many times on the air, but East Islip, New York. Uh, as always, I am proud to support your radio program and all the work that you do. Hello, my friends, James and Keith. And that comes from listener up in East Islip, New York. And then uh, there was this that came in all the way from British Columbia. And uh, this married couple writes, I look forward to new shows with you and Keith in 2023. Well, we've got them coming for you. Don't worry about that. And the reason that I thought that that was interesting to read was it just goes to show, and you were looking, you made mention of this before the show started tonight, that East Islip, New York, British Columbia, that is the full and complete expanse of this continent. And we have people tuned in tonight, not just tonight, too. but every week tuned in uh, from there and, and, and really everywhere. Hey, speaking of Canada, I love this. I got to read this point of personal privilege here. Uh, these are the ones I cherish them all. Uh, but coming from a comrade, uh, it's, uh, you know, equally profound, but it, it, when you get it from somebody that you've been in the trenches with, you, you uh, really appreciate it. Paul Fromm up in Canada sent me a note just in the mail, just out of the blue. I deeply cherish our many years of fellowship and cooperation. And you know what, Paul? I love you, brother. We can't wait to have you back on during March Around the World coming up here not too long from now, about a month and a half. And, you know, Keith, I, I will tell you the truth. Outside of my father and my grandfathers, I have met, and my pastor, I would put him in this company too, obviously. Uh, but outside of those four men, the very best men that I've ever met in my life has come as a result of this work. It doesn't even come close. I'll never forget the time we met him at Shoney's and he had all these books he was selling. And oh, Paul Fromm you're talking yeah, about, yeah. Exactly. Paul Fromm. See, these people have been doing yeoman's work toiling in the vineyards for us all these years, and I think they need to be recognized for the true patriots that they are. Well, there's no doubt about it. You look at our guest list every year. You look at the regulars that we feature, all of these people. I don't want to start naming names, but we had a lot of them on that New Year's Eve broadcast. You know, that was a, a showcase of the mainstays a couple of weeks ago, and then last week we kicked off the new year with a uh, trio of guests, and then tonight, Steve King, Lauren Witzke. I, I think it's, you know, my vision going into this year is to blend uh, the old and the new and uh, people from... Something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. <laughs> across the spectrum of our universe. Now, I don't want the spectrum to extend over to the, uh, the moderates and the leftists, but I certainly want to get the... Uh, broad uh, spectrum of our universe and get all those people in our orbits and bring them in. We want people that uh, support us and think like us to know that they are highly regarded and treasured by us. And it's everybody from former members of uh, the United States Congress to uh, people like Paul Fromm, who has just been such a champion for freedom of speech and association and, and putting Canada first with regards to their immigration reform. Uh, or their immigration policies, just as we would want to do here. And uh, we bring them all together here. This is the place where uh, it's a safe space for all of our people. 
and uh, we don't put one ahead of the other. We don't appreciate one ahead of the other. We're all in this together as as sort of a roundtable type of deal, a Knights of the Roundtable type of co-equal brotherhood. Uh, this comes in. I, I love this. This is from a uh, listener in Kempton, Pennsylvania. He writes, uh, Dear James and Keith, I pray that Jesus Christ richly blesses, guides, and protects you, your loved ones, and associates, and that he greatly increases your audience this year. Well, thank you so much for well, that. Well, you know, that is exactly what's happening. You know, when you don't let people know that they're, they have a voice and it's at a particular place and on a particular show, you can't expect to grow the movement. But on the other hand, when you do and you've been around as long as we have, there's no telling how many people we've brought around to this point of view. What do you think, James? Well, you, no, you never know. And my, my goal has always been to do the best we can with what we've gotten to serve as faithful shep, uh, shepherds to our flock. But, you know, I hope that we reach somebody who goes off and accomplishes, that we had some small role in the development of somebody who will go out and accomplish far greater things and, and, and possesses far more talent than we could ever do or, or possess. So that's, you know, that's the goal is to just be a cog in the engine. This comes Bright from... Oaks from Little Acorns Grove. That is true. Uh, from a listener in New Orleans, thank you for your show. And he... Uh, his notepad says, God bless America. He crossed out America. God bless Dixie. Well, amen to that, and God bless you. Hyde Park, New York, uh, listener in Hyde Park, New York. Is where this... Roosevelt was from? Uh, we'll have to look that up. That's your trivia question tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Hyde Park, New York, I hope this contribution helps the show continue. I've been listening to every show for a couple of years now, and I enjoy it more as time goes on. And by the way, folks, for everybody that sent in a donation in December, you know, we had Harry Cooper back on last week to uh, take a victory lap. As it was, His incentives sparked our most successful fundraising drive in the 18 years, now 19 coming up. We've been on the air. If you liked that book and those signed photos, send me an email. And as I often say, if you didn't like it, send Harry an email. <laughs> uh, he asked the other, we had to order some reinforcements because we ran out. We had more orders than what we had originally paid for. And I said, uh, well, we're going to need 30 more photo signed cards as well. And he said, well, you know, I've also got American signed cards from American Flyboys and American Navy guys, and I said, uh, well, I appreciate it, Harry, but I think our guys are going to want the Germans. <laughs> he goes, you got it, 30 Germans uh, coming your way, and, and we got those and have already sent those out as well. Anyway, we have a lot of fun here, too much. A listener from right here in Tennessee writes uh, that it was good to see me in Atlanta. Yes, I was in Atlanta. He writes it was an outstanding speech. People did like that speech in Atlanta back in October. Thank you for all you do. God bless you. And the coming year. And with audience like this, you can't falter. Uh, a lady in the Knoxville area um, wrote that, thank you for the hard work. Thank you for everything. And to spend as much time as you can with your children. Before you know it, they'll be grown and expecting their own. Trust me, it goes by fast. Time goes I, by I can, fast. I can, uh, I can vouch for that. Well, That's it just goes to show, I think, the humanity of our audience, the humanity of our listeners, keeping all of this in mind, knowing the, the order of things here, God, family, republic. Well, see, like James, I had three children too, but mine are now all in their 30s. So I can tell you that time flies. Time flies, and it's flown here. I mean, can you believe I, you, you look ahead? If you can look just above the horizon now, you know, next year is going to be 20 years on the air. We're going to be in 19 later this year, and it's just an amazing – it's been an amazing run, but the thing that's been most remarkable about it, or at least, you know, certainly noteworthy, has been how fast certainly it has gone. Well, we've got smart people that come on the program. We've got an incredible audience, and you'd you'd have to – 
have it. And I'm so glad we can compare and contrast our audience with the people that are out there today. You may have heard a couple of years ago that they want to ban the use of master bedroom in real estate listening uh, listings. They want it to be called the the owner's suite or you know something woke. You can't use master bedroom because master, of course, if you use the word master, every black thinks of slavery, even though they never experienced well, it or well, anything like that. The truth is only a few do, but those few are very influential. And then now uh, the University of Southern California has banned the word field. They can't use the word field for their sporting events anymore because, well, why do you think, Keith? Let's see if you can put two and two together. Why, can't, why is the word field racist now? Because you could uh, conjure up an imag- in your imagination a cotton field. <laughs> <laughs> and White says we know never picked cotton. My, my grandparents uh, picked cotton, for God's sake. That was way after the war. But anyway, so... Uh, there's all that. I don't know what to do. This is this is where we're at. There can be no reconciliation. We say this all the time. There's no reconciling. There's no reconciling Sheila Jackson Lee, who wants to put whites in prison. And that's uh, why she needs to be out of Congress, and you need to do everything that's legal to do that uh, job for America. We don't need haters like her in our government. They are, you know... I guarantee the Founding Fathers would be rolling in their graves knowing that they set up a government that would be represented by the likes of Sheila Jackson Lee. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I mean, the path forward is going to be secession, whether we initiate it or it balkanizes through natural causes. We might as well face the fact that, and by the way, go to my Twitter, ladies and gentlemen, at James Edwards TPC. Follow us if you're not following us. It's not just mine. It's the, it's the royal we. It's for the program, too. But look at this picture of Sheila Jackson Lee. There's no reconciliation with that. Look, our, our, let me tell you this. It's uh, our, our marriage with the blue states of America is worse than any marriage with the possible exception of Franklin Roosevelt and Eleanor. Of course, she's in Texas, but yeah. <laughs> because she's in this jigsaw piece district that they carved out for yeah, her and used gerrymander uh, like a salamander yeah. they can gerrymander but if we do it it's racist but if they do it it's it's good it's it. noble and honorable i have a dream this weekend uh, that affirmative action is going to be outlawed by the supreme court that day that take care of jackson lee right or would it or i don't know how that works we'll be right back exposing corruption informing citizens pursuing liberty You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Dave Collins. The White House says additional documents with classified markings were found in President Biden's Delaware home this week. Aides to President Biden said the latest documents were found earlier this week, but just announced those findings on Saturday. New York Times correspondent Charlie Savage, who's been following the story, says this new discovery is raising more questions. The biggest question raised by this on its face is why did the White House say on Thursday, hey, there was one more record found in the space next to Biden's garage, and then it turns out there were six more pages of classified documents found next to his garage. About two dozen classified documents from the president's time as vice president in the Obama administration have been discovered at his Washington think tank offices and in his Delaware home. I'm John Schaefer. Ukrainian officials are reporting a new round of missile attacks. The strikes damaged several buildings, sparking fires early Saturday. 
but no deaths were reported. The attacks follow Russian claims that its forces seized control of the eastern Ukrainian town of Soldar. The Ukrainian government denied Moscow's claim on Friday. California Governor Gavin Newsom asking President Biden to approve a major disaster declaration for his state with another round of atmospheric rivers on the way. Here's the governor. These atmospheric rivers, a few years ago, no one heard an atmospheric river. There was just some scientists down at Scripps saying, hey, you should pay attention to this thing that we've coined called atmospheric rivers. California's been getting slammed by a series of powerful Pacific storms, causing flooding, mudslides, and power outages and killing 19 people. Maine has its first big Mega Millions winner. Lottery officials say someone in the Pine Tree State picked all six numbers to win last night's jackpot worth an estimated $1.35 billion. The ticket holder now has the option to receive the money in 30 payments or take a lump sum of $724 million. This is USA News. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true. The typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills. And it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, they'll waive your new member fees and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited time offer. You have to sign up before January 15th. Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Now, as promised, we are taking you down live to Brazil, a nation experiencing turmoil and political unrest. Almost uh, on a par with that of America. Well, a, a little bit more in the present moment, and it has been simmering for a while, and it reached a boil uh, here in the last few days. So we're not going to tell you our dear friend's uh, name or his occupation, although I will tell you that if you knew his occupation, you would stand and, and listen and his exact location. But uh, how are you doing tonight, brother? It's great to have you on. I hope you're staying safe. I know a lot's going on in Brazil, and uh, we wish you the very best and for a favorable outcome down there. Hi, James. Thanks for having me again. Such an honor to be here. Thanks so much for all the conversation. I just received your card. So Merry Christmas, a little bit late, and a Happy New Year for everybody from the TPC audience. Well, and to you and to your wonderful family as well. Let's just get right down to it then. I sent you this article earlier. I'd like uh, to read a couple of paragraphs, and then you tell us what's really going on. This is from the Washington Post, okay. uh, so-called journalist Terrence McCoy. The article uh, headline is, How Bolsonaro's Rhetoric, Then His Silence, Stoked Brazil Assault. And this is what they say is going on. Uh, from Rio de Janeiro. For more than four years, the most fundamental questions has loomed over Brazil. Would its young democracy survive the presidency of Jair Bolsonaro? Latin America's largest country embarked on what amounted to a test of its democratic strength in 2018 when it elected the former army captain who openly lamented the collapse of the country's military dictatorship, once threatened to reinstall its rule on the first day of his presidency, and sought to 
at every turn so doubt in elections. During his time in office, he did little to soften his bellicosity. He warned of a government rupture like the military coup of 1964. If he were to lose his re-election bid, Bolsonaro said, it could be through fraud and Brazil would have worse problems than the United States did on January 6, 2021. For many Brazilians, Sunday afternoon, this is last Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, was the arrival of such a moment when Bolsonaro supporters laid siege to three pillars of the federal government, the presidential palace, the Supreme Court, and the Congress, bringing democracy here to a sudden standstill. Again, this is Washington Post so-called reporter writing. The scenes of smoke and violence were at once both shocking and predictable. The tragic <laughs> realization of a prophecy Bolsonaro has repeated and uttered to mobilize his base and terrify his adversaries. So what's really going on? I trust your assessment and your commentary much more than any so-called American journalist. Mm -hmm. Well, James, we had our January 6th here, except for the fact it was in the 8th. Uh, it's, it's all about the same. People were um, really unsatisfied with the results of the election. Bolsonaro has been really quiet. Uh, later on in the article, he says something about it, and he says that in a bad, in a bad uh, sense. But Bolsonaro stayed quiet exactly to show that the unrest of the people is not related to him, but to the situation that we have a false president, a uh, convicted thief, uh, a person that is related to the biggest uh, scams of uh, corruption ever existed in the face of the earth. The amount of money that the Workers' Party uh, stole from Brazilian uh, uh, from the from the Brazilian people during their government from 2003 to 2016, it amounts to trillions trillions of of reais, trillions of dollars. So everybody knows what's going on, and some people. Uh, really went to the streets, and the situation on the January 8th is just, just the same as January 6th, uh, exactly the same. And the, the, now, um, the government of Lula now is profiting on it, and these leftist media, I, I, gotta, I gotta tell you, I, I couldn't read the whole, the whole uh, issue that you sent me because it's just nauseating just like the rest of the media. I mean, it's nauseating. They called the people that were inside uh, the protest uh, terrorists. Actually, the people who did the breaking and the storming of the, of the buildings uh, were infiltrated leftists. That's what they say. They, were, they, they also fell for it and many people went there. They, were, they are all in jail right now. It's like uh, 1,200 people, children and elderly included. They experienced many hard hardships during this uh, confination. You know, you know uh, even though we have a constitutional guarantee against uh, being held without uh, a hearing and uh, for a writ of habeas corpus, yeah. in other words, why am I in jail? We have people that are still in jail from that January 6th. 2020 uh, episode. Yeah, that's us, and not even a place like Brazil. And, and then Lula, for example, Lula is a genuine yeah. jailbird, and he? he actually actually served time for his corruption. He served time, and he was not cleared from his uh, conviction. He was uh, unsentenced 
in in the basis of uh, he was unsentenced by this judge from the Supreme Court. Uh, he said that the city where Lula was trialed was wrong. He was trialed in Curitiba. He should have been trialed in Sao Paulo, and that just make his all his uh, undoings go away. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. Well, let me ask you this. You were mentioning that it looked like there were a lot more from the pictures that I have seen, a lot more than just 1,200 mm -hmm. people that were involved in the so-called storming. And, you know, look, I've seen some footage, so there were definitely some people getting out of hand. I'm glad I to see that were... you actually had your own shaman, too, like we did. Yeah, it looked very similar. Yes, there was even a shaman <laughs> yeah, there. It looked, it looked this very similar, eerily like, what's going on here? But there were th it looked to be, me to be thousands of people participating in this unrest, and you're saying – Mm -hmm. A certain number have been arrested. I don't know if they've all been arrested, but the government since between last week and tonight have been, I guess, cracking down and uh, cracking down in a way that a third world government would, I guess. Uh, uh, like America. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like America. Well, you said something very interesting uh, that you can understand why we are so concerned here in America. Why Put two and two together. Draw the connection between uh, America and Brazil. So my, my concern that I sent you in that text is that uh, I, I don't think that the TPC audience uh, should know about the photo of Sao Paulo, uh, Sao Paulo Forum that uh, I sent you. It's a, it's a consortium of Latin American leftists. And we've got to understand that the leftists, they, they know each other. And American leftists are, are, are also together in this one. So they, they were united in the 80s. And they said they would take over the whole of Latin America. And they're doing it. Uh, and I think you guys should be worried. I mean, Brazil, Brazil has a lot of money. It's a very rich country. It's corrupted. Uh, it, it's been corrupted uh, uh, for many, many years since the, the institution of the Republic in 1889. And... Uh, but but the money of the country is just too big. It's it's bigger than the whole, the other part of Latin America, the the Spanish part of Latin America, the, all the other countries. They're really smaller than Brazil. When when Workers Party was in government, they financed uh, many many countries, including countries in Africa, in all these corruption schemes and stealing. And I mean, the numbers are staggering. It's trillions, James. Uh, so the power of Brazil in creating money, it's a 200 million people country. And that, that being said, it says that Latin America is going down. Uh, it's, a, it's a threat to uh, the whole of America. Uh, the continent of North and South America, is, it, it's really concerning. Well, there's so many, I want to say this. I want to ask you a question specifically, Keith, and we're going to come back with you in the next segment, my friend, and talk about the parallels sure. between January 6th, 2021 in America and January 8th of, of this year in Brazil. And what's going on with Trump and Bolsonaro? It's, it's interesting. What you texted me, though, is that the I'm reading and from even our, more importantly, what is the uh, uh, link between Lula and Biden. Okay, we'll get to that in the next segment. But what you had texted me earlier when we were barnstorming this or brainstorming this segment was the situation mm -hmm. in Brazil is as complicated as it is in the United States. We live in a clown world with a clown supporters. 
uh, including the legacy media you guys talk so much about. Unfortunately for us, things are going to be darker because institutions here are much more corrupt and the people, well, you know, not a first world nation for the very reasons you guys are afraid of the white replacement of America. I think that's very... Hit the nail on the head. Yeah, very prescient. Very prescient. Yes, if if, if don't have people that can uh, counteract this kind of movements in institutions and in the position that they take during their life, uh, it's going to be complicated. We know that in Brazil, when the money speaks, uh, people are going to obey. We know that the people are money poor talks here and, BS and they don't have. Yeah, that that's it. That's it. All right, hold on right there. When we come back. Yeah. We're going to talk with you about uh, what Glenn Greenwald said about this situation in Brazil. And again, folks, if you're you're an American, I know this isn't you know top news here, although it has made major news. New York Times. But I, I see America's Italian hand in trying to elect Lula <laughs> over Bolsonaro. And where is Bolsonaro? He's in Florida. And uh, well, so much more to talk about. We only got one more segment to do. Stay tuned. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. Have you ever had great honey? No, I mean really good, all-natural, raw honey? Well, now you can, thanks to LocalHoneyMan.com. We can ship out our locally made honey all across the U.S. So don't worry, you won't miss out. Plus, Local Honey Man has so many different flavors, like Utah Wildflower, High Desert Delight, Happy Valley, and Blackberry, just to name a few. So purchase your delicious raw honey today at LocalHoneyMan.com. Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. Welcome back. It's uh, in light of this situation of international intrigue to have someone on the ground in Brazil calling in live tonight to share with us his opinion on what's going on and how it runs contrary to what you've been reading. Uh, Keith, I just want to say very quickly before we toss it back to our dear friend, I was reading that article from the Washington Post earlier, and give me 60 seconds and no more on this because we've got to get back to the, uh, to, the, to our guest, but 
when they talk about defending democracy, that always makes me puke, and for two reasons. Number one, first of all, I don't even know what they mean by democracy, and I don't even know if they know what they mean by democracy. If democracy means you vote for something and that's what carries the day, okay, that's fine. Uh, when did we vote for all of the radical egalitarian? When did Americans get a chance to go to the ballot and vote for all of the radical egalitarian movements of the last hundred years? When did we ever? It's, it's, they're for democracy if a vote goes in their favor or if a rigged vote goes in their favor. And if it doesn't go in their favor, if they don't think that they could vote it through, then they go through the courts. That's not a d democratic process to go through a, a, a controlled Supreme Court. They are not for democracy. They're for democracy if it benefits them. They're not for it. And I'm the same way. If it benefits my people, I'm for it. But, you know, let's be honest here. Well, look, when they use the term democracy means what I like, and okay, that's all that it means. We have a, uh, a, a government that is anti-democratic. Nobody asked, for, for example, when they asked if the people of California wanted affirmative action in its universities and its uh, governmental jobs, they said resoundingly no. But what did they do? They ignored that, took it to a gay judge, federal judge, in California, who said that affirmative action violated the 14th Amendment, and basically they just trampled on the will of the people. Well, you had Donald Trump put in the Muslim travel ban during his first few weeks in office. Then what, some judge in Hawaii overruled the president? I mean, what the hell is that? And, and so, but here's the thing. When they couldn't pass through all the radical stuff in the 60s, for instance, they went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court put it through. But now that the Supreme Court, with the issue of Roe versus Wade, finally did something that the ruling class didn't like, then they cried that the Supreme Court is illegitimate. they got to stack it. So, I mean, these people are Everything full is illegitimate except what they want. Okay. Let's just, that being said, let's go back to our <laughs> friend down in Brazil. So, a lot going on. I hear that Bolsonaro's Minister of Justice has been arrested. The United States government is trying yeah. to deport Bolsonaro, who is in... Listen, yeah. I always liked Bolsonaro. Folks, basically what's happened is what happened on January 6th happened this week in Brazil on January the 8th. You had people that were concerned about... Malfeasance, the integrity of an election. Malfeasance in the electoral process and... Uh, Bolsonaro is a Trumpian-type figure. You have Trump now facing so many different charges and investigations, or you may soon be charged and indicted, and a lot of stuff going on, a lot of smoke there. And that may soon be happening with Bolsonaro. But I always liked Bolsonaro, and I liked him even more this week. He was shuffling around a Publix in Orlando, and I swear I know that Publix. And then after he went shopping at the grocery store, he went to KFC. Now, how could a guy like that not be on the right side of heaven? I mean, come on. Anyway, but uh, you sent me this week this uh, situation uh, with the... yeah go, go go ahead and comment on that please but he is in no, Florida no, on, they're trying to that, send him back that, down to uh, yeah go yeah he he's he's a people's people he, he's a guy he's I'm a beginning to guy. think that South Florida is That's the like, capital he, of Latin America if I <laughs> if I had been at that Publix and I ran into Bolsonaro I, I mean you I. He was just walking around like a normal guy, just shopping. Somebody videotaped it. He pointed at him and smiled. He was just walking around shopping. If you don't know what a Publix is, P-U-B-L-I-X, it's just a grocery store well, chain that's Publix. popular in Florida. Anybody that's been in Florida knows Publix. But anyway, continue. We're taking up all your time. Go. No, no, no. I think you're going to be friends with him in three seconds, James. You're going to like him. He's a, he's a good guy. And uh, well, put, I don't got, just pointing out one 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 paragraph of this of this piece you sent me. I mean, uh, he said that he, as his administration ac accumulated problems, corruption, creeping coronavirus outbreak, 
I mean, corruption, Bolsonaro just ended corruption in Brazil. It was the first time in my life, I'm 43, it was the first time in my life that I heard that corruption in Brazil ended. People in Brasilia, the capital, they were really, really mad about this. Politicians got over that. I mean, they were really upset with this because he just went inside the presidency. He said, stop stealing. And everything stopped. For the first time in my life, we saw the country starting to grow, even though the pandemic hit in hard for us, even though everything they said, economy of Brazil was the only one in the world during the pandemic that went well. All the other countries, including the United States, had uh, inflation bigger than Brazil. So it's well, incredible. I believe that. The guys My did God. an amazing job. You notice that Florida is job, like the he... epicenter of, uh, you know, common sense in America. We got the best people out of Cuba. Then we've started getting the best people out of Venezuela. It well, sounds like we're going to get some good people from Brazil, too. Well, I hope that uh, Bolsonaro gets to stay well, you're in, in Florida. <laughs> if I could have been at KFC if, if, if when he was there, I, I, there's footage, there's footage of him eating a KFC. Huh. I mean, I, I, I'm a president of one of the biggest, you know, nations in this the, hemisphere. The legitimate president. Well, and I mean, he, the former or still legitimate president, whatever, going to Publix in a KFC. I mean, that just goes to show. I want to be. That's right, my friend. I want to stand shoulder to shoulder with people like that. I got a lot more in common with the guy that shops at Publix and eats at KFC sure when he's done shopping than I do with the ruling class here. But you sent me this, and I got to get your comment on this. So this is from Glenn uh, Greenwald. A true investigative yeah. journalist, a true journalist. The censorship regime... And, and he's uh, left. Uh, yeah, he's he is left of, he's left of center, but he's, he's an honest leftist. He's an honest mm -hmm. leftist. The censorship regime, uh, regime in Brazil is growing rapidly, virtually daily now. Uh, we just obtained a censorship order that is genuinely shocking, directing multiple social media platforms to immediately remove numerous prominent politicians and commentators. It's kind of like what they do here, except it's unofficial. Uh, I can't overstate, Grun uh, Greenwald continues, how shocking and dangerous this censorship order is. It's from the same judge that even the New York Times has been warning about as authoritarian. Uh, Alexander, you can pronounce this. Pronounce this for me. What's his name? Yeah. Alexandre de Moraes. All right. Say that, Keith, just like he said it. Alexandre de Moraes. All right. Uh, a sign of how repressive uh, the situation in Brazil is. I had to spend hours. This is uh, Glenn Greenwald again. I had to spend hours with lawyers even figuring out if I can report this. I've confronted governments around the world, and this is the only time I've ever asked, should I report this? Can I safely criticize this judge? And then Elon Musk even uh, responded to that. And uh, you said, uh, my friend, that... Uh, this is the judge that has cleared Lula for the election, has arrested and blocked every dissident voice in Brazil and many others, uh, actions never heard of in the Brazilian unjustice system. We're going to quit talking over you and give you the last five minutes. Take it away. Tell us what's going on with this judge. Tell us what's going and on. What, how can it be made right? Final thoughts and what's going to happen with Bolsonaro, in your opinion. Take it away. Uh, so this judge... Uh they say that there's been, a, there's been a, a death of a judge, a Supreme Court judge in Brazil, I think about five years ago. 
And the guy who replaced him is is this Alexandri. And uh, they say that the guy who died is like a Brazilian way of killing people. You take down an airplane. That's how they do it. It was another Antonin Scalia. Correct. Yeah, sort of. So this guy took in. He is being associated with the Workers' Party, uh, uh, Party ever since before they came to power. He is said to be the, the lawyer of the biggest criminal organization in Brazil. I mean, drug dealers. So this guy, he was laying low until the coming of Bolsonaro. After that, he became taking power. Uh, as of today, he has censored the platforms, the media platforms of three or four major Brazilian political figures, including a congressman, the biggest voted congressman of Brazil in the last election, I think 14 million voters, something like that. And he has authorized the, the uh, uh, you just said the Minister of Justice of Brazil, he just arrived in Brazil and was arrested. He, he authorized that. So everything that the justice system is, everything that is asked, asked through the justice system of Brazil is going through this guy. And he's bearing everything that is from the right and making pass of, of everything that is from the left. And nobody does nothing. Nobody does nothing. It's happening since 2020. And nothing happens. We don't know. We so you sure, got this judge we, that's we arbitrarily deciding arbitrarily steering the rudder of this huge nation on this hemisphere. And like Trump's efforts to get to the bottom of this, it looks as though Bolsonaro's, or at least the efforts of Bolsonaro's throngs of supporters will fall short. What do you think happens with Bolsonaro? Does he get extradited back down to Brazil? Does he get put in prison? What's going to, what's going to happen with this guy who was a Danish elected president? I, I don't know, James. People say a lot of stuff. People think that he's going to be imprisoned. If, if, if the politicians in America, in the United States, and, and including Republicans, Republicans ask for Bolsonaro to, lo to lose his visa, his American visa. And if he, he goes back to Brazil, he's going to be in prison. That's for sure. Uh, Did the I mean, efforts the of everybody... Yes, I know what you're going to say. The hatred of Lula and Bolsonaro, they, they will put him in prison, and that will be, and they'll throw away the key. It'll be the new Rudolph Hess. <laughs> did, yep. uh, did the efforts of the people last week do any good, or did it just further muddy and complicate and worsen the situation? Yeah, it just muddied and complicated and made it a lot worse. Everything is bad, and everybody's saying that, I mean, people are in goodwill there, but they don't know what they're facing. They don't know the enemy. Is there any segment, the enemy is geographic untrue. part of Brazil that is for Lula and another part for Bolsonaro, or is it uh, just mixed up mainly, all mainly the, the northeast. Yeah, mainly the northeast is for, for Lula, but that, that's not the truth. Sounds true. like you might Everybody be candidates for like secession, it. just like we are down here. Yeah, I tell you what, I, if you're gonna so. take act, if you're gonna take rash actions, you better be sure you can win. Let, let that be one of the lessons you take here. Uh, hey, listen, yeah. ten seconds remaining. Final word to you, brother, and thank you so much for informing us tonight. Ten seconds, go. Oh. Stay safe and think about this through. It's happening in the whole of the Western world.
Hey, amen. amen. Something to think about as we go to the break. Thank you for coming on tonight. We should have done we should have done another segment. We should have gone a full hour. We love you, brother. Stay safe down there. Keep being right. We'll be back with you. In the- You're listening to Resolution Radio at resolutionrdo.com. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows the only way you'd give a freshly minted driver a brand new car is if he promises to never drive it. Instead, let him grind the gears and knock over the neighbor's mailbox in something a little more suited to his skill level. And with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, he can safely drive something that's nearly as old as he is. It's not perfect, but it's perfect for him. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. The only untold story of World War II you will ever need to know. You have done a magnificent job. The visual impact that people will experience when they see what you have produced, you've been very impartial in your presentation, and you have allowed the people, the viewers, to make up their own mind. You present the the evidence, and anyway, it's an honor to have you on the program. find out more on this phenomenal documentary series, go to thegreateststorynevertold.tv. You're listening to Resolution Radio at resolutionrdo.com. In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the Political Cesspool is your host, James Edwards. I wish, ladies and gentlemen, you could hear the kind of conversations we have with our guests uh, off the air while they're waiting in queue. Uh, we had a wonderful, about a five-minute extended session with our correspondent down in Brazil talking about all the unrest taking place in Brazil. How about us having on a guy from Brazil that's telling us exactly what's going on with Bolsonaro and Lula and the unrest, very similar to January and 6th. And now we're going to swap to Brazil North with uh, <laughs> Steve King. <laughs> well, that's right. We just had a laugh with uh, Congressman Steve King. He's been 18 years. You know, Steve, listen, I actually got a letter from the uh, union here at Liberty News Radio that said if we have Steve King on any more often, we got to give him co-host pay. I guess so. <laughs> that means you get nothing. <laughs> I, I, I am not it, for sale, you guys. Put me on the record. <laughs> damn good thing because we don't have any money to pay. <laughs> <laughs> One of the reasons we get along, I think. 
<laughs> but there he is, ladies and gentlemen, for the third time in as many months. He made his debut on the program back last week of, uh, he opened up the Christmas season last week of November. He was on with us again on Christmas Eve, no less, and now back here the second week of January. Third time in three months, uh, former United States Congressman Steve King. And, uh, Congressman, it is great to have you back for any occasion. There's been a lot going on in Washington uh, uh, since uh, the calendar flipped to 2023, and you're going to help us uh, navigate all of that fallout and handicap the winners and losers. Are you ready? I think I am ready, but I'm never sure with you guys, so let's do our best. (laughs) And neither are we. That's for sure. Well, in your opinion, how did all of the dust settle? So McCarthy is in, but at what cost? Uh, What uh, prizes did uh, those who are most in, it was a good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, most in line with our opinion get out of yeah. all the horse trading that took place. We talked about a lot of this last well, week, but uh, now that the dust has settled, how did it end? Yeah, I just I want to be careful. I conform with what I said to uh, now General Scott Perry, who I think did a terrific job in there and and came into his own. And we saw it, we saw it publicly, and what was going on privately that has been related to me was just excellent with that man and many of the others that were there. Um, I mean, I made this argument during the race for the speaker that, you know, you just go ahead and shoot Kevin McCarthy down. Those other guys that say they're stuck with him now and forever, that no, nobody else can do that job but Kevin McCarthy. Well, that's, that's kind of a crazy statement. 330 million of us. Uh, he's the only one. Uh, so is he like the political messiah? Of course not. Uh, so they never offered an alternative other than McCarthy out of the 201 that were stuck with him. And so that kind of got pressured in that fashion. Then, then, um, so, but what, but I said, if, if you vote McCarthy out and say no speakership for you because of, it's a character issue that didn't get raised enough. It was policy that got discussed, but if it'd been, uh, if they had voted him out, whoever they would have picked out of the, out of the corral, the Republican conference corral, if that's what they decided to do, would have given them the same, same issues, the same rules that they were able to negotiate with McCarthy and probably more. So, but they did achieve that with McCarthy, and they got to a place where there were a, a handful, maybe even more than a handful, of I'll say left to, left of moderate Republicans who were ready to cut a deal with the Democrats. That that if McCarthy, um, go ahead and go ahead and let McCarthy win the speakership, that may cut his deal for all these rules changes that they got. But then when his rules came to the floor, they were going to team with the Democrats, vote the rules down, and then pass the rules that Nancy Pelosi had probably in the previous Congress. And that would have then ended up with Kevin McCarthy as Speaker and Nancy Pelosi's rules. So that's what happened with the 20. They came to that realization. They stuck together really well, given the, the pressure that was on them. And over a two- or three-vote iteration, once that began to crack, I came, came away with an important piece, which is the, the, the motion to vacate the chair. That's the most important one. That's the sword of Damocles hanging over McCarthy's head. It's the equivalent of a no, con- a no, uh, no confidence vote in a parliamentary system. And so, but even if you bring that motion, you still have to have a majority that were ready to remove him as speaker. And so that's the high test thing. And they got some things along there with the investigations and the special committees, and it looks like they're going towards the church commission and um, in intensive investigations. That's all good. They're bringing some bills that are not going to go anywhere, but they're good messaging bills that we should have voted on a long time ago. Looks like they're going to vote on a fair tax that would be abolishing the IRS. They absolutely, they already voted, I believe, to uh, eliminate the 87,000 IRS agents. So they've got some things moving there that are messaging and speaking to the American people, even though those things are not going to become law. 
but in the end, it was going to be McCarthy as speaker, and they had to find the time there to cut the deal so they could get the best thing out of it that they could. And and I, I understood this from what I saw C-SPAN-wise and the messages I was getting, my phone call and by, and by text. When it was all done, I had a long conversation uh, from, I'll say, inside the camp that confirmed that I'd been interpreting it correctly along the way. So I'm proud of those people, and I want to make sure they knew that because I'm the guy that last time we went through this, I said, I will sign this this oath in blood. We need a blood oath so nobody cracks. Nobody else wanted to prick their finger, I guess. That's what, and it wouldn't do for me to sign theirs with my blood. <laughs> so uh, some of them cracked, and we gained <laughs> some things, and we moved John Boehner out. And uh, so that's, but but they held together without that. And, and something that's really important, I think, for people to understand. And, uh, I was surprised with this. The first vote that came down, 19 voted against McCarthy. And I got that text right away that said, "Hmm, well, we got more votes against McCarthy than we expected." I mean, they had surprised one or more people step in on that that they didn't have counted on their whip card. So, and once they dug in, those people stayed. So, I, I think we should look at those 20 as really strong stalwarts that brought about. The, the, the changes that are the great beginning of turning that House of Representatives over to we the people and letting the regular members of Congress, the rank and file members of Congress, actually have a voice where Nancy Pelosi and Kevin McCarthy had taken to a place where, as, um, let's see, uh, Chip Roy said, not one single rank and file member of Congress was allowed to, put, to even bring an amendment to the floor in six years. I've done six of them in one day and passed them, by the way. Uh, so that's what they've done. They said leadership is going to make the decisions. You can come down. You're going to vote the way we tell you and go raise money and give it to the party, and then we'll use it against you if we think your politics are too conservative. All right. I know Keith Alexander, Esquire, let's give you your proper title, wants to weigh in on this. There's so much to cover. We are just getting started with Representative King again tonight. But uh, to his point here, uh, the biggest of the concessions – uh, and this is from The Hill. The headline reads, McCarthy concessions to win speakership raise eyebrows. Now, this is, again, the establishment news reporting, but it reads, Representative Kevin McCarthy was forced to give in to a series of demands from detractors to win the support necessary to win the speaker's gavel after a, an historic week of failed ballots. We talked about that last week. The changes, which were designed to empower rank-and-file members at the expense of his own leadership authority, are also raising concerns that they could cripple governing functions of the lower chamber. One change in particular which empowers a single lawmaker to launch the process of ousting the speaker is giving heartburn to lawmakers in both parties. Both fear a hardline group of conservatives will use it repeatedly to browbeat McCarthy into keeping a crucial, uh, into keeping crucial must-pass bills off the floor. I said this, Steve. I said this when people were still lamenting that the red wave didn't extend beyond Florida. I said, you know what? Hold on, slow down, wait a minute. This might be a good thing, maybe even the best thing, because the slim majority gives the Republican lawmakers closest to us on the issues more leverage than they would have had if the GOP had won more seats. Yes or no, am I right on that? And we'll come back with that after the break. I far more you are right on that. It's a good topic. Thanks. All right, we'll come back with that. Keith Alexander will get after it. So much more to come with the great Steve King, steveking.com. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. 
at the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. Former Sheriff Richard Mack recounts in his book the proper role of law enforcement, how he came to realize while working as a beat cop how wrong the all-too-common orientation of police officers is when they think of their job as being to write tickets and arrest people. Richard Mack tells of his personal transformation from by-the-number cop to constitution-conscious defender of citizen safety and freedoms. Learn what it really means to serve and protect. Purchase your copy at CSPOA.org. That's CSPOA.org. Long live the king, said Keith Alexander. <laughs> that was a Keith Alexander. You know, I've stolen so much from Keith over the years. Uh, so much, uh, so many quips, so much wit. Well, I tell you what, Steve, it's wonderful to hear from you. We're glad you're like an embedded reporter in Washington, D.C., but unfortunately I would liken that to being a skin diver for Roto-Rooter. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I tell you what, uh, <laughs> we'll take him any way we can get him. And, uh, but, you know, his, his – we're about to turn up the heat as well, but 18 years in Congress, he's been through this so many times, but uh, is there something new afoot here? We were talking about the fact that uh, in an inadvertent blessing, perhaps it was, for people of our political persuasion that the Republicans didn't win uh, with a greater number than uh, they did on, a, on uh, election night in the midterms because of what took place last week. Uh, tell us what were your thoughts on that. Well, I, I thought that the tighter margin gave the guys leverage that put up the fight. And if there had been 240 or 245 Republicans, as uh, McCarthy seemed to anticipate there would be, he would have had the votes to get reelected as Speaker. And the coalition of those that fought the battle the entire week long uh, would have been essentially nullified, neutered. Um, and so I will say that um, of some of those whom I talked to that are of the 20, um, I'll say that there were uh, one or some who were actually praying for a tighter majority than was predicted because they knew they needed to change that operation. And, uh, and I absolutely agree with that. I mean, if, if we were going to, so in one of the things that, that makes it so bad is that Kevin McCarthy was taking money from the Republican party, raising money hand over fist for his own campaign account for a multiple packs that he controlled and then using that money to go into congressional districts and Republican primaries and pick the rhino that he could manipulate that would vote for him for speaker and use that money to trash the conservative that would have been one noble member of Congress that, that could have been in there standing with the 20 and eventually transforming things. I don't know how many, how many seats he flipped that way from what otherwise would have been conservative to liberal 
uh, also I should say moderate, I guess, Republican, but, and also how many races were lost out there because he spent money on people that he really had to have to vote for him. Um, there's, uh, say, David Valadeo out in California was absolutely going to vote for McCarthy. He put $13 million into his account. And uh, I'm thinking of Joe Kent in Washington where he put, um, I'll say, a lot, I don't know the exact number, but lots of money in the account of Jamie Herrera Butler, uh, who was, a, I'll say, a McCarthy, which I'd say acolyte, and uh, Joe Kent, rock-solid, principled, conservative, vocal, smart, uh, former CIA guy. And uh, he, barely, he he won the primary against Herrera Butler, but the best I can say for what Republicans did for him after that was he didn't get a lot of help and lost that race in a very close race. A guy like Joe Kent in there, there must be another 12 or 15 Joe Kents out there that were, that were expunged by McCarthy's spending sprees uh, against them and, uh, and against also... Uh, and, 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 and failing to support the, the the conservative candidates in Southern Illinois, like uh, Blake, Blake, together was yes. I was just going to say Blake Masters was one that that comes to mind that uh, McCar- McCarthy right, and uh, yeah, in the Senate. Well, that would have been more Mitch McConnell, but you know, together, mm-hmm. yes. That's that's a perfect example of what went on. Um, Masters had to fight that. And essentially, not quite on his own, but close. And then in the general election, he's moving up where he had a real, real shot at Mark Kelly. But um, McConnell wasn't there for him. And in southern Illinois, uh, Rodney Davis had held a seat down there for a few cycles. And he's a very nice guy. I mean, I like him a lot. Uh, but he was also you know, to the left of center and uh, a favorite of the leadership because then the, and the chairs were, were all reflective of left of center. Uh, favorites of leadership. But he was thrown in with Mary Miller in a Republican primary. And uh, Mary Miller, even in spite of the help they gave Rodney Davis as the moderate Republican, Mary Miller won that primary in Southern Illinois. And when she won that primary against Kevin McCarthy, then she's one of the voters that said, I don't want him for speaker. So some of those folks uh, were were, I'll say, uh, attacked financially, at least, in, by McCarthy that stood on the other side and said, I don't want him for speaker. I've been fighting him to get here. Why would I vote him for speaker when he didn't want me here? Um, that, and so that's, that would account for the freshmen that were in that list of 20 also. Well, you know, the media coverage, you got to love the American media. It's just the who, what, where, when, and why of journalism. No bias whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> just the facts. <laughs> I saw that the, yeah. <laughs> the New York Times listed the 20 that you're mentioning the the house republicans uh who were holding out and and trying to you know get something for their constituents whereas you know a lot of times that that doesn't happen but the uh, new york times actually had a photographic chart of these 20 and they were categorized either as black hispanic or election deniers (laughs) (laughs) i got i tweeted something about that out there that's the truth well so anyway uh so the dust is settled mccarthy's in but at a a great expense you know some people are going to be a church commission um that (laughs) will be able to actually operate and function well, I sure hope that there is, um, and I think we have to watch this closely because the thing that they didn't get, and I don't know that they negotiated very hard for it, was that to remove McCarthy's ability to veto any subpoena that's issued by any committee. And so if you're a chair of a committee, first of all, you're likely handpicked by Kevin McCarthy in the first place, and I've watched that pattern and seen that come down and shut my agenda down through a committee chair that's looking me in the eye, giving me a promise, 
I'm going to do this because it's the right thing and you've earned more than this. You've, you're positioned for this. This is my my obligation. And have Kevin McCarthy give the order in the back room to see that chair come back out and have to say, you aren't going to get my promise. Why not? Um, they just aren't going to get it. I never got answers to that. But so that really dials down the investigations and takes the teeth out of it and turns it into the mushy Benghazi type hearing that we had um, in the last time around on that. Uh, but if McCarthy did not have that veto power on, on subpoenas, then the committee chairs could put the bit in their teeth and start dragging these witnesses in and building a record and really get into the bottom of it. So I think it's going to be under question the whole time, how much is constrained by McCarthy. And I'll have some ear into that. And, and by the way, these fellows like Scott Perry and Andy Biggs and Ralph Norman and so many others in there that stood in that, that stood, that stood their ground at the end, their instincts and their intellect and their experience tell them what's going on when that happens. And they will, well, they will raise you. the issue. They will make the points. Mm-hmm. Let me let me ask you this question, uh, Congressman King. Is this something that any Republican speaker would have done, or is this something that McCarthy and look, McCarthy's McCarthy. That's he's no more. He's no A political lamb. <laughs> but is this something that he should get credit for? <laughs> or is this something that anybody who who filled the seat would have done? I'm reading the headline here now. Kevin McCarthy confirms House panel boot for Schiff. Uh, Swalwell and Omar. So he's uh, removed these three high-profile Democrats from their committee assignments. Or, or the, is that anything that he should be lauded for? Or is that just sort of like a baseline deal that you could have gotten out of anybody? Well, I'm just not a fan of removing people from their committees. Um, I just think that when voters elect you and your conference places you, to, to use that as a cudgel, I mean, look what they did to me for a misquote in the New York Times. They removed me from all of my committees, my own party. And, the, and in searchable history, no one who has been removed from their committees by their own party has, has ever survived a subsequent election. And all of those previous to me were convicted felons. And so he knew I wouldn't vote for him for speaker. There were other reasons in there. All of them were legitimate because I stood on every square. There was no, there was no vulnerability from an ethical standpoint that they could get at me. And I can guarantee you they were looking. Uh, so he brought that. So when you bring, so you decide that Omar cannot be seated in a committee uh, because she said, well, it's all about the Benjamins. Um, that's for, I didn't even know what that meant, except Benjamin Franklin is on a hundred dollar bill. So it's all about the money with Jews is what, that's the what was you know. at least interpreted to be. Yeah. And so that doesn't trouble me a lot. That doesn't give me a bit of heartburn, actually. It's all about the money with McCarthy. So that, you know, uh, for that. <laughs> but I do, uh, I, I do think, though, that um, that having Schiff on the Intel Committee, the Select Committee on Intel, that can't be. He's he's leaked and he's lied, and that's enough. So um, probably shouldn't even be in Congress for that matter. And it's, you know, to make those removals that way, negotiate it with Nancy Pelosi, get that done without press and fanfare, move them around a little bit, take Omar off of that committee, get her a couple other committees that she wants to be at. Just don't let her be in a, a foreign affairs committee where she's going to cause a lot of trouble because what appears to be a bias. And if she's on that, of all those that trouble me, I would let her be on foreign affairs because it's just one voice. And there's not a lot of They need to have somebody that's willing to stand up to the state of Israel, quite frankly. And I would like to see her stay there just for that reason. Well, let me me ask you this about the committee chairs. On this very quickly before we go to a break, and then I want to come back with uh, what the GOP can do uh, having control of the House but not the Senate or the White House. But uh, this was from Anthony Sabatini. And Sabatini is a former state representative in the state of Florida who I like very much. The Lincoln Project with this this left-wing rhino-type outfit 
wrote that 11 of the 17 GOP uh, House committee chairs in the 118th Congress voted not to certify the results of the 2020 presidential election. And Sabatini said, fire the other six immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Representative King, 10 seconds response to that. I guess that's supposed to be a bad thing. Here you go, Sabatini. I like a guy that speaks up and makes it count. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We'll be right back with Congressman King. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Dave Collins. The White House says additional documents with classified markings were found in President Biden's Delaware home this week. White House lawyer Richard Sauber said he discovered the newest documents in a box initially found by the president's personal attorneys on Wednesday. Sauber noted that all of the pages were turned over to the Justice Department. Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed a special counsel earlier this week to review classified materials previously found in Biden's home and an office he used in Washington, D.C. So what would you do if you had the winning billion-dollar ticket from Mega Millions drawing last night? I would retire. My car just died yesterday. I had to buy a new car, so I hope hope I get lucky. I can't even fathom how to even spend that kind of money, let alone have that type of money. Well, somebody did win. The lottery ticket sold in Maine matched all six numbers worth over $1.3 billion. They have not come forward yet. The CDC and FDA are looking into concerns that the the Pfizer COVID vaccine causes strokes in those 65 and older. The CDC notes that overall the data suggests it's very unlikely there's a true clinical risk. School policies are getting strict about everything, including some things that seem really innocent. According to a report from England, two schools there have banned students from having any kind of physical contact. Officials at the Highland School in Chelmsford, Essex in England, told parents that students were not allowed to participate in any aggressive contact, which includes hugging or holding hands, saying that the school will not tolerate any physical contact. The school said they do wish children would make really positive friendships. That's Corey Myers reporting. This is USA News. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true. The typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills, and it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, they'll waive your new member fees, and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited time offer. You have to sign up before January 15th. Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE.
SteveKing.com, ladies and gentlemen, by the book that uh, Congressman King wrote, 18 years on the front lines of the political battlefield. Uh, he talks about his time in Congress, his vision for the future, walking through fire, my fight for the heart and soul of America. You want to know how Congress works and why we don't get further sometimes? It's in that book, that much I can tell you. Let's do a rapid fire segment with Congressman King. Let's line him up and knock him out of the park. The GOP has uh, put forth a proposal to defund the 80,000, uh, 87,000 IRS agents that have been conscripted to terrorize American taxpayers. I'm reading now from the American media, which I should never do, uh, but it reads, the House <laughs> voted one, uh, 221 to 210 to claw back more than $70 billion, or nearly 90% of the new funding for IRS, underscoring Republicans' opposition to the agency expansion and a desire to keep tax enforcement issues in the public eye. So... I. To me, Congressman, I think that's great messaging, but does it actually help us? And the reason I ask that is uh, putting forth legislation like that is easy for the GOP to do right now in the House because they know it's going to get killed in the Senate. They look good to the base. Is there anything they can do that would just give you, for example, the the House of Representatives has total and complete control over without being undone by the All right, keep that in mind, and let me, I'll finish my question, To without really doing anything of consequence. Uh, am I right about that? And to Keith's point, is there anything that they can actually do as a, a, a function of government that includes a Democratic well, control yeah, Senate and White House? There are some things they can do that have significant impact, but as far as passing legislation, it's messaging right now. I mean, all you can do if you bring, if you cut out the funding that would that would fund the 87,000 IRS agents, and by the way, I had a briefing from an IRS agent that wanted to say that's not going to happen. And when I put him on the spot, he had to admit, yeah, the money's there and it could surely do, could surely happen. Uh, they can just vote and say no fund goes to here. And you know that Mitch McConnell's not going to roll uh, Schumer in the Senate. The president's not even going to have to veto it, but it's messaging. And what you could put at least on the calendar and say, well, next Congress, we've got this we can do. But what they can do is investigate. Uh, they can call everybody before this Congress and put them under oath and they can drill down and build the record and they can make recommendations for prosecution. There's a whole plethora of subject matters they need to dig into. That's fine. Pass this with an hour debate on either side, but it's not going to make a difference in policy for a long time. But you know, and that's fine if it goes nowhere in the Senate to an extent. I like the messaging. I, I'd rather, you know, have hardcore movement but it is better than what came out of the house over the past two years under the democrats that's the hundred billion dollars for ukraine comprehensive immigration reform gun control juneteenth dc statehood uh, equality act the george floyd act the, all of the, the porculus 1.7 trillion <laughs> all of that so that's you know not, we're not already to, not to mention packing the supreme court we're already better than we were but uh, how about this one then <laughs> and this is a major improvement over the uh, january 6th committee establishing this is a republican proposal Again, not going to go anywhere, but it does establish a difference between the two parties to an extent. Establishing a select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government, that passed 221 to 211. Uh, I think if, they, if they're going to yeah. investigate that- something, investigate these little nests of uh, networks of progressive activists embedded within the bureaucracy, the FBI, the DOJ, the DHS, uh, Congressman. That's right. And that investigation has value. 
and putting people under oath has value. What they need to do, and I don't see it in the in, in the in the policies and the rule, but they needed to up the staff uh, members that they had and hire them targeting on the investigations that they want to do. Uh, I don't believe they have enough staff, and the expertise of that staff was probably trained to do defense against the Democrats for four years. Uh, so you, you need to go find fresh faces and good people that are committed and drill down into that. That's, that's the, one of the best things that they can do, and I hope they do do that. I know they're going to endeavor to do that, and you've got some people that are smart in driving that, like Scott Bear, Perry and others. They're going to help bring that out. We're available. I like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm afraid That's they're going to sure. draft me and put me back in that arena, make me like oh. keep the staff, the judiciary staff, or something. But uh, I, I don't know if I, I want to leave like for that. Any night. <laughs> I'm praying for it. Well, let me ask you this. When you were a member of Congress, yes. we did 18 years. We, the royal we, once again, you did 18 years in Congress. Now, but you were there between the years of 2017 and 2019. We're talking about great messaging, things that we would like to act uh, on, but the Republicans know it's going to be spiked. And I'd be interested to know if the Republicans did have control of the Senate and the White House, if they would still be so bold. Uh, you were there in the years between 2017 and 2019 when the GOP controlled the House, the Senate, and the White House. Let me ask you this. Why didn't we get more done then? And did you advocate for the party being more bold and decisive when that window was open? Oh, I absolutely did. And it was frustrating. Um, to give you an example, I back up a better part of a decade. And when we won the majority back in 2010, I'm hammering, let's cut off all funding to implement or enforce Obamacare. And I've got John Boehner saying um, that repeal and replace. I'm saying re first I'm saying repeal but cut off all the funding. I bring the amendment to cut off all the funding. John Boehner undercut me, and uh, they cut a deal with the Senate to strip it out. They also said that they voted 66 times to, to pass my appeal repeal of Obamacare during that, that flow of that period of time until we got to the time where it mattered. And then, then um, Paul Ryan wrote this convoluted Obamacare bill that I'll say even today he couldn't explain. And it was so convoluted that they couldn't get the votes to pass it. And it really wasn't repeal either. So they didn't want to repeal Obamacare. All they had to do was put up the repeal. Uh, he had a 40-word repeal. And it passed the House multiple times. It was really clear we had the votes to do it. But they wouldn't. They had to write their own version of Obamacare to attach to it. Second thing is funding the wall. And boy, that was that was Donald Trump's main promise. I sat down with with Paul Ryan. It would have been in um, let's say probably late August, early September of 2018, and I negotiated with him or discussed with him. We I need to be sure that you're going to make sure that the money's there for Trump to build his wall. And it was a one-on-one -on -one meeting, door closed, no staff. And when I got up, I said I need to understand this clearly. This discussion is about the wall. And I'm hearing you tell me that you're committed to providing the funds for it. I want to hear it again. And he said, I believe that President Trump deserves the resources to secure the border. Well, it was within the context of building the wall, not securing the border. And I walked out of there thinking that's the best I got. But Paul Ryan thought securing the border was what, balloons and motion sensors and uh, more staff down there. Whatever. Mine was build the wall. And I said to them, if you give me where we were spending. $6.6 million a mile for every mile to secure that border. We're losing 75% of those that tried. Now, if you give me $6.6 million to secure my West Mile out here in rural Iowa, there won't be a cockroach get across there. And so we're wasting a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And I went to Trump and I said, Trump, you got to shut the government down if he doesn't give you the money before the end of September because you're not going to get it if you don't have the showdown now. And he said, Paul Ryan promised me that I'll have the money December 7th, December 7th, 2018. We know the answer to both. Republicans didn't repeal Obamacare and Republicans didn't put the funding in for the wall. All of those commitments that were campaign promises, all they had to do was deliver those two, and they did not. They worked against them both. So take that to 2017 and 18. Those things happened, along with the heartbeat bill got killed right in that arena, um, nearly the same time when I had a full 100% commitment to bring that heartbeat through the Judiciary Committee and mark it up and have it at least uh, where it had a chance to come up on the floor. And uh, Kevin McCarthy ordered the kill of the heartbeat bill. So we, we didn't de- repeal Obamacare. We didn't build the wall. We didn't pass the heartbeat bill. And we lost the majority. And a big reason was because we didn't give our base a reason to vote for us. Let me ask you this, Steve, real quickly. Who was really behind Obamacare? Was it Big Pharma? Was it someone else or some other organization? Uh, It's just a puzzle to me why we would have embarked on that. Yeah, um, the people behind it, Big Pharma was one of them and one of the powerful force. The second component of that would be the health insurance industry in its entirety. And they were calculating this, that if you're going to require people to have a health insurance policy, and it's going to be funded by some of the other people's premiums. That's how Obama sold it, plus the government money that was coming into backfill. That was putting billions of dollars into the health insurance industry, the health insurance industry. And, and by the way, coming into that, they conflated these terms between health care and health insurance. Um, after a while, you, you couldn't tell even if a Republican was talking about either health care or health insurance. But um, so that was that was the two big forces that came to play there. And I wanted to have. I wanted to be able to sell insurance across state lines. I want to be able to have a a, 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 a catastrophic health insurance policy. I want to be able to set up a lifetime investment account so people could take money out of there for to backfill their higher deductible on a catastrophic policy. We could have had a you know a nation of millionaires by now, by now, and they would have had a low premium catastrophic insurance paying their regular doctor bills and medical bills out of their out of their pocket or even out of their health care policy. But none of that happens. Um, and and I don't. part of it is their brains don't go to thinking to the horizon, let around over. And the other one is they're taking their orders from the big donors. And the big donors wanted big money coming through the health insurance and the health care industry. And that's surely what they have now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, one more segment with Steve King. SteveKing.com. You want to know how Washington operates? It's a real behind-the-scenes eye-opener. Uh, his book is written from a man who spent 18 years in the United States Congress. Yeah, so I know, believe, that, that, I believe he said the king is dead. Long live the king. We're just proving that here. <laughs> <laughs> he's back. He's back, and he's still doing great work. We're going to go to Texas with Hello, Congressman TBC King family. next. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while at the same time exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation 
Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years, and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-A-1-S-T.com, MericaFirst.com. In Message 1, we said that Satan, the father of lies, John 8:44, gave the left evil, spiritual power the more they used the lies. The political left today is the beast. Now the Bible confirms that the dragon gave him, the beast, his power. Revelation 13, 2. The extra evil spiritual power that comes from the beast by their lying is what accounts for the string of the leftist criminals in the government that have never yet been prosecuted. It also explains why American capitalists support communism in the 21st century. Note 1. That behavior of capitalists was predicted by Vladimir Lenin, a cell of the beast. Note 2. Henry Ford was a capitalist, and he would have never gone communist. The difference between Ford and the present-day, end-time capitalists is that Ford was born and educated in the Kingdom of Christ, 19th century America, the New Jerusalem, Revelation 21. Okay, we're going to let uh, Steve King, someone who speaks legalese, break down this uh, on our final segment. It's going to be dedicated uh, entirely to Sheila Jackson Lees. That's a Democratic uh, congressperson out of uh, Texas. She's got a jigsaw puzzle-looking piece of a district there near Houston Hobby Airport. She has put forth this uh, week, Congressman, House Resolution 61, and I'm reading it now here in the studio. And... Uh, it reads that it is a bill to prevent and prosecute white supremacy-inspired hate crimes and conspiracy to commit white supremacy-inspired hate crime uh, in the, the United States. And I, I, I w was uh, talking with you earlier today. I said to me, and you correct me if I'm wrong, this appears as though it's uh, that the Democrats would like to make discussion about demographic change, the great replacement, illegal. And what is a so-called white supremacist? Is that someone who wants to kill other people because their skin color looks different? Or is it someone who notices that uh, these changes are occurring and doesn't believe that it's in the best interest of themselves and their family or of America? That is not defined. And with something like this, this the, the conspiratorial aspects of this resolution ever apply to terrorist organizations like BLM or Antifa. Uh, it seems like any chronic malcontent, if this is passed into law, could hear something someone says that they don't agree with, get offended, and sue them on the grounds of this law, or even worse, put them in prison. Only one way to correct this law, and that is to replace the word white with black in every, wherever it appears in this uh proposed law well what's going on here I, I would hope the gop house would spike this but it does show for all the people who would say hey listen we never really get anywhere with the republicans this shows what the democrats would do if they had an absolute majority of government what's going on here with house resolution 61 congressman well it does james and i and i read this bill too and thanks for pointing it out to me i would not have seen it if it hadn't been for you but um of course i know sheila and what she brings and uh sheila is she she sees the world through the lens of racism of what lens of race and uh just the perspective of Sheila Jackson Lee. For example, uh, I have I served with her for 18 years, 16 years on the Judiciary Committee. I've traveled the world with her, sometimes sitting across from me on long flights and going into places in the world. Uganda comes to mind. 
And I remember sitting in the bus, uh, and we're, we're going through Uganda, and uh, Sheila's looking out the window, and she goes, these are my people. Said, Sheila, how do you know they're your people? Well, the answer is they look like she thinks her people look. And <laughs> Set her out, front, out uh, put her off the bus and leave her there, and then she, she'll find out in a hurry whether they're her people. Yeah. Well, that's right. And, uh, and I would razz her and razz her, and my wife was along too, and, and uh, I would tell her things like, and she was, she was just opposed to the wall, opposed to the fence, and opposed to any kind of barbed wire. But Africa, the only place where you're safe is inside your own compound with a wall, broken glass, and a concertina wire on top. So I would point those out every time. Sheila, what do you think of that? These people, are they stupid? Or why do they build these things? It looks like they must work, huh? And uh, after, you know, about I don't know how many days of me relentlessly needling her, uh, she said, well, would you would you treat your little sister like this? And I said, well, I do, and she can stand up for herself. And, and so that was how that went. And then uh, we were in Morocco, 40-foot-high stone walls. And these stone walls were built. I, I would point to that as we're walking underneath, and I say, Sheila, you see those walls? Yeah. Um, they were built by slaves. Did you know that? Um, slaves? Yeah. They were built by Christian slaves with Muslim masters. And then when mm-hmm. they got done with them, first they <laughs> emasculated them, so they – had, they didn't have their equipment to even urinate, let alone reproduce. And when they got done with them, they threw them off the wall or into the sea if they were pulling their or in the boats on their Corsairs. So I'm telling her this. And I said, yeah, it was, it was quite Christian slave. And uh, so that needles her a little bit. So she writes this stuff anyway because that's how her mind works. And I, and I look at this bill, and it says um, a white supremacy-inspired crime, which isn't defined in this bill in any way that I can find. But it's one that can be a thought crime, which you picked up on, James, a thought crime. It says if it was motivated, if you motivated the planning, development, preparation, or perpetration of actions that constitute a crime. So that would be if you planned anything. And then it goes on and it says um, a conspiracy to engage in white supremacy-inspired hate crime. And, and it says that between two or more persons engaged in the planning, development, preparation, or perpetration. Well, okay, engaged in the planning. So that means that if somebody sat down with you in your studio and said, you know what, I think we ought to go over here and do this uh, uh, this crime. To, let's say let's uh, let's go uh, graffiti the windows of the Black Lives Matter people. Okay, now you're both guilty of a white supremacy hate crime because you were engaged. You're one of two people engaged in the planning. Okay, that's how bad uh, see, that is. This is this is where I think it's at, and we've seen this before. But going back to 2015, let's just say, for instance, our friend and. Uh, this he wasn't involved in this, but I'm just using this as a hypothetical. Our friend Jared Taylor, who often cites FBI statistics on crimes committed by race, and then you have somebody like Dylan Roof, who sees that and he says, "Boy, I better go up and shoot a bunch of unarmed elderly people in a black church." Well, then is is Jared, who reported the FBI statistics on racial crimes, responsible for the actions of a, a, a murderer? I, I, According to Sheila Jackson Lee, he is. See, if this became law, I think you could connect those dots. So this is very dangerous, and I've got a question here now from an attorney friend of ours in in Georgia, which I would love to have you answer. And he writes this: James, can you ask? Uh, Representative King, if it would be possible to bring Congressperson Jackson Lee's bill to criminalize white speech to a vote, it seems to me, he writes, that this would be a great embarrassment to the Democrats. It would make them have to either vote publicly to repudiate the very first of the Bill of Rights or to infuriate their anti-white racist African-American constituency. Will the Republicans ever play hardball like the Democrats? That's a loaded and two-part question, but it's a good one. What do you say, Congressman? 
Well, I do think it's a good question. It's the kind of the kind of tactic that I would like to exploit. Um, but I don't know that it would embarrass the Democrats anymore. And well, the they're, they're beyond being because, embarrassed. Yeah, they are. And, you know, they they voted 210 of them to for a baby that survives an abortion uh, that you have to protect that baby and, and uh, protect that baby's life and, and give them medical care. 210 of them voted against that. They, vote, they voted that if a baby survives an abortion or if a baby is if a baby is essentially born and maybe a difficult birth, that the, the, the parents and the doctor, the mother and the doctor get to decide whether that baby is going to starve to death or freeze to death. That's that's how bad that is. And so if if a baby, a born baby that's crying and squealing and squirming, if that baby isn't a sacred human life, then and they're not embarrassed by that. They're not shamed by that. So Jerry Nadler on the floor arguing why. It was dangerous to take a baby to the hospital that maybe survived an abortion. Even Jerry Nadler had trouble uh, making that argument. You could tell he was struggling. But I don't know if you put him on the spot. I don't know if you can get them embarrassed. I don't know that you can even – I think they would just go to the floor and do what they did over and over again. That's why I say we need to take people like Sheila Jackson Lee and Steve Cohen – out of Congress by redistricting or any other neat way that we can And do. you could do We talked about this during the break. You could do that if the Republican state legislatures in those respective states wouldn't mind being called a racist for removing uh, people like that. But but the, to, to, the, to the questioner's point, this is uh, an effort to criminalize free, freedom of speech of whites, as far as I can see it, as far as I read it in the bill. Well, uh, it is a repudiation yeah. of the Bill of Rights. Will the Republicans force their hand on this? Is this just uh, their uh, well, form well, of well, messaging? Well, well, is this their form of messaging? Or, will they, or could this pass? Well, I don't, I don't think there's a chance it would pass with a Republican majority, but I don't think they'd bring it up because they just don't want to they, they don't want to have uh, the, a risky thing out there. They don't know how it's going to break. Uh, but so does this get killed in committee? Does it that, die in committee? Well, I think they just don't take it up. It doesn't get a hearing. It doesn't get a markup. It's just I think it's probably dead sitting back in uh, you know in somebody's drawer. But I, but I think it's important to say this that one of those provisions in here says at least one of whom these two or more conspirators and one of them can just be a silent listener involved in the planning. At least one of whom published material advancing white supremacy white supremacist ideology, antagonism based on replacement theory. Okay, so that might be, uh, Jared Taylor could be accused of this. I, I write some op-eds from time to time. I, my, my words are published. So who defines who's, who's publishing material that advances That's white the supremacy? They have defined white supremacy to actually be Western civilization, which is the foundation of the first world. And if you pull all those values out that built this first world, you've got the second world, which has murdered more people than anybody but the abortionists in all of history. And I mean that sincerely. That's where that shakes down. Uh, I should say violent death has been brought upon more people by abortion than any other method. The communist Mao and Stalin, between those two together, probably killed a, between 130 and 150 million people. But most of them were starved to death, so it wasn't a violent death. But abortion has killed the most. But in any case... The white supremacy piece of this gets tied to Western civilization. Who makes the decision? Southern Poverty Law Center. And I have faced those people and questioned them under oath, and they are some radical leftists that drive their – and by the way, they were run by – Well, I don't have any faith, Steve, in the Republican Party. I don't want to sound like a pessimist, but I think that the people in the Republican Party – I've never heard any Republican say – 
I think this would be against the interests of my white Republican base, and therefore I'm going to vote against it. They would never say that. If you said this would go against the interests of my black constituents, every last one of them would jump on board. Yeah, I think you got to go. Well, what do you think about that? Are they ever going to get to that point where, yeah, hey, you know, we got to actually, when you look at the people who vote for us, yes, we want all right thinking people, regardless of race or creed, to vote for us. But at the same time, we got to look at who our voters are and maybe we got to. Make Why do people keep voting for people that do not want to even acknowledge that they have, uh, uh, you know, they owe a debt to those people for voting them into office? Yeah. Yeah. Who built this country? Who built this civilization? Who built the culture in America? And who fought the wars? And who died? By the way, there are over 700,000 white Christian men in their graves today who died in the struggle that ended up putting an end to slavery and the battle over states' rights. And I had in all of my time dealing with people, I never and we've got the Congressional Black Caucus. We've got people that run race on their sleeve, the, especially the blacks do in Congress anyway. Not once have I heard any of them say thanks for that blood sacrifice. But they say instead, well, we want to be paid for the sweat of the people that we say were our ancestors and you need to pay the reparations because you're white. Yeah, well, that's that's one of the great Buchanan quotes. We've heard the grievances. Where's the gratitude? And uh, there's uh, it's been good. This 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 situation has been good for a lot of people, uh, but there's never any credit given. Only only uh, uh, only more uh, IOUs, I guess you could say. Well. We said 30 minutes, we went an hour, and that doesn't even feel like enough. Congressman uh-huh. King, we can't thank you enough. Uh, third time in as many months. Help the, thank you for helping us navigate the fallout from D.C. in the last couple of weeks and for breaking down this bill, which is an odious piece of legislation, should it be brought uh, to a vote or, or God forbid, passed. Uh, it's, it's startling but not surprising. That's right. Well, yeah. hey, thanks for being well, one of the good guys. The word on this, it would be Go ahead. with reparations, blood is worth more than sweat. Pay for the blood first or, sh- first or shut up. <laughs> Absolutely. Pay for Steve King's book first at steveking.com, and uh, he'll even autograph it for you, I think, if you ask him nicely. Congressman, we'll talk to you again very soon. Not soon enough. Uh, former GOP candidate for... We have the new product at InfoWarsLife.com, BioTrue Selenium. We've had so many requests over the years for selenium, and just recently we were able to source a certified organic bioavailable selenium from mustard seed extract. When you take selenium in the body, it actually benefits the detoxification systems in your body. It helps balance the thyroid gland. It helps detoxify. Selenium is another one of those absolute must-haves. The highest concentration of selenium is in the thyroid gland, but it's actually used all over the body. As a matter of fact, there's 25 genes in the body that are directly dependent upon selenium. So it really is a all-around nutrient that everybody really needs. I'm taking it now every day. This is so key. BioTrue Selenium is the product, the best selenium that we could bring you. We believe it's the best out there at a very, very low price. Exclusively available at InfoWarsLife.com or by calling toll-free 888-253-3139. You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more. Up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, 
anytime. You're listening to the Political Cess Pool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. Katie Armour raised the standard. Finally, AR-500 steel core body armor that comfortably conforms to the chest and torso. Unique design distributes weight. Feeling lighter, increases mobility, and lessens fatigue. Introducing the Combat Quad Bend CQB, a revolutionary plate-forming process that caters to the end user. The CQB is an industry game-changer, a must-have for the ladies. Available now, only at katiearmor.com, c-a-t-i-armor.com. Come and take it. You're listening to Resolution Radio. Radio. ResolutionRDO.com You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the Political Cesspool is your host, James Edwards. No doubt many a man have sung that about Lauren Witzke, but you know, Keith, uh, we're here in Memphis, and that's the king uh, himself, Elvis. His daughter died just this week, and she was in Memphis, what, like four or five days ago? So you just yeah. never know. You never know. If I don't see, if you get called home, if you're playing a harp by this time next week, I want you to know it's been my <laughs> honor these last 18 years uh, yeah. to serve with you here. But I tell you, it was always great. Um, piece of pride that uh, Elvis was from Memphis and so are we right that's right <laughs> he was the biggest thing in Memphis until we came along that's for sure but anyway Lauren Winsky the former uh, Republican nominee the current firebrand and uh, former Republican nominee for United States Senate out of Delaware back uh, with us to continue the conversation we were having with uh, Congressman Steve King in the last hour and uh, welcome back Lauren how are you tonight thanks guys it's always so good to be back I love y'all Thanks for having me back on. Well, it's great to have you back. Uh, we love you, too, and I know you're always busy, and I texted you about, uh, well, less than an hour before we got started tonight, and you were gracious enough to to be with us. So give us your take on what happened. Uh, we asked King this as well, but your take on the Speaker of the House elections and uh, McCarthy and Gates-Bobert faction, what were they were able to extract, all of that. I know you've been watching this very uh, closely and with a lot of interest. Right. Well, we watched during the midterms in 2022 that it was just a bloodbath for America First. They dumped tons of money into the establishment in the primaries. And as a result, none of our candidates made it through. Like, it wasn't really a win in 2020. We may have taken back the House, but none of those people are our people that are going to put America first. And they knew that. And that was their intention. So when, you know, and McCarthy, he specifically dumped money into candidates 
who weren't going to oppose him for House Speaker. He knew that there was going to be some opposition, so he would uh, throw all his support behind people like Dan Webster, for example, who was primarying against Laura Loomer. Laura Loomer would have never voted for uh, for Kevin McCarthy, and he knew that. So he, that's just one example. But he did this across the country, and that's why that victory wasn't very sweet because none of those people are our people. We're talking about the Dan Crenshaws, the people that vote against our interests, the people that vote uh, to send our money overseas, the people that vote to send our American kids to die in wars that we never wanted. You know, that's who took the House in 2022. Now, when McCarthy receives some opposition as House Speaker, that doesn't come as any surprise to me. There's 20 people that did stand strong. And as a result, they did get some wins. Now, I can't stand Kevin McCarthy. I think he's a sellout. And it was all about the title, as we discovered, because he caved. As soon as they said, okay, we'll let you have the House Speaker title, but we want this, we want this, we want this. And he's essentially speaker in name only. But the most important deal they made uh, and the compromise that he made was, okay, we'll vote for you for House Speaker, but you cannot involve yourself in any more primary elections, which means that America First now has a chance. And that's just saying even if elections even matter in the United States of America anymore. I know a lot of people are demoralized. They think their vote doesn't count. We watched as they blatantly stole an election in 2020. So, you know, on the basis that our votes still count and elections do still exist in the United States of America, America First has a chance in these primaries going forward. So that was a good win for us. Um, like I said, um, they have the bill, uh, the policy that he has to vacate the chair if he goes back on his word as well, whether that actually follows through or not. Um, you know, it's up to the Republicans to hold him accountable to his word, um, you know, and he did get the, the title of Speaker of the House. However, it seems that he's beholden to that 20 still um, Okay. with the deals that they made. Well, all right. That, that's, and that's in line with what Congressman King was saying in the previous hour. So l let me ask you this. What specifically, what thing specifically, and I know Keith Alexander has a question as well, and then we want to get to this odious piece of uh, legis prospective legislation from uh, Sheila Jackson Lee again. Uh, but what things might McCarthy be forced to do that he otherwise wouldn't have done as a result of the gates boat? faction holding that flaming sword in holding their hand, his feet to the fire. as you just explained i i know that you know this week uh he the headline read that he sent dc into utter panic i don't know how true that is announcing that he wanted to release all of the footage from january 6th what things can we extract from him because of the slim majority and all of the leverage that gates and bobert et al hold that we wouldn't have gotten had the republicans won by a larger margin that's a question we asked congressman king as well yeah you know which one I would really like to pay attention to? So when we were running to take back the House in 2022, McCarthy specifically said, when the Republicans take back the House, there's no more blank check to Ukraine. We're not going to keep that war going. The truth is, guys, that war would have been gone here, here. Done a long time ago had we not been the ones funding it. We come in, like, you know, Russia starts winning. We come in, we dump trillions of dollars in there. They start, you know, we dump all our equipment over there. The war continues, more people die. And it's really just a, a white Christian on white Christian war over there that nobody wants. That's the thing. I feel like it's almost like the last money dump before America's economic collapse. Well, he had told everybody. He had left the strong insinuation, I believe, that, 
I, I like when he said it, I believe, okay, no more blank check for Ukraine, no more war. We're going to keep this. This is going to be done. If we take back the house, like that was the, the stipulation, you know, and I was keeping a close eye on that. Well, as soon as Republicans took back the house, his verbiage changed, his verbiage entirely changed to, oh, we're going to audit Ukraine. We're going to audit where that money went. I, I never said, and I want to clarify, I never said that we aren't going to not support Ukraine anymore. Um, so I watched as he completely flipped and lied, essentially lied to Republicans to drive up the vote, because that was a huge issue in 2022. We were watching as inflation was going through the roof. People can't afford to buy groceries. I know the gas was through the roof. People are struggling, like prices are high. And we were watching as they were sending billions and billions of dollars over to Ukraine for a war that nobody wanted. And he knew that. So he ran on that behind every Republican. Hey, if you take back the house, we're going to stop doing this. Things are going to get better. But as soon as he won, he it flipped to, it flipped to, oh, we're just going to audit the money. Marjorie Taylor Greene also parroted the same talking points as soon as McCarthy changed. And, you know, it's, it's, that is something that I really kept an eye on. And that is something that I really want to encourage Republicans to do. We have got to stop the flow of money to foreign countries. We have, like, America is going to collapse. It is not looking good. I'm not sure we're going to make it another two years. And, you know, and I, I almost feel like all that money going over there to Ukraine, it's being laundered. Somehow, and you know, with the FTX scandal, it was being laundered back into the Democrats' pockets. It was being laundered back into Republicans' pockets. It was a way for um, politicians to enrich themselves off the American taxpayer because uh, essentially almost making $200,000 a year isn't enough, you know, and having all that power. So that is something that I would like to see. Of course, the J6ers is very important to me. Um, you know, I was persecuted after J6. Oh, do I, I hear music coming. <laughs> no, you know, she's a pro, Keith Alexander. She's a pro. She knows. We'll catch you on the flip-flop. <laughs> music stars, we have to stop. But we will be back with her for one more segment. Lauren Witzke. Right after this, stay tuned. Everybody. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast. And that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. 
They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Back now for one more fleeting segment with Lauren Witzke, our favorite former GOP nominee for United States Senate out of the state of Delaware. All of the ones there's ever been. She is by far and away her favorite. Hard to believe that she and Biden came from the same state. Yeah, ain't that the truth? Well, I'll tell you what. I would love to have more people like Lauren Witzke and Steve King. Of course, you know, Congressman King, 18 years there. You know his story. We need people like that representing us and, and truly representing us. And who is us? Us and we are white people. And that's the thing, Lauren. I mean, here now talking about this piece of, of legislation that has been proposed by Sheila Jackson Lee, uh, the Democratic uh, Congress. Imagine what a flap would happen if you changed the word white to black every time it appears in that right yeah, so in, in you, that bill. You read this earlier today, as Congressman King did. So she, it seems as though she wants to make it a federal crime for white people to criticize mass immigration or to say anything that she would perceive to be a vilification uh, of, of a non, yeah, anything that offends her, basically. These are chronic malcontents. You know, here's what we need, Lauren. Not only do we need the Republicans to spike this thing or for it to never generate out of committee, we need Republicans to say, you know what, this is anti-white legislation and I stand against it for that reason. If you're a Republican... Because my white constituents are not well served by this. You will never hear a Republican use that excuse. Well, On the other hand, if they can say that it is against the interests of my black constituents, every one of them will fight and claw to get to the microphone to say that. And of course, you would never have a black uh, representative fear saying, I'm going to do this because this is in the best interest of my black constituents, uh, a, a black representative. So this is this is it, Lauren. The question to you here, vis-a-vis -vis this uh, piece of legislation from Sheila Jackson Lee, which if you've ever heard her, you know, proposed legislation, if you've ever heard her speak, it's hard to believe that she actually wrote this, but uh, I don't know how that works. But anyway, will we ever get to the point where white representatives say, this doesn't represent my constituency, my white constituency? We've got to get to that point, in my opinion, because that's the way the game is played. We have a hand uh, tied behind our uh, back as we're blindfolded, playing it any other way. Your take on that? Do you agree or disagree? And feel free to disagree if you do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I agree. I, I wanted to bring up something. So the other night I was listening to an interview with Matt Gates, and he was talking about something very interesting. He made it very clear that it's not the, the interest of constituents anymore that makes decisions for, uh, like, that – press politicians to make decisions. You know what I'm saying? It's all lobbyist groups and donations. So they will make deals in between each other as politicians on the House floor in order to get bills pushed through. So we don't know if this is going to die. She could have dumped the money all in the right places, and it isn't to represent the interests of white people, white constituents. Um, you know, it's it's extremely concerning because I don't think we have a say anymore. And it's also extremely concerning because we are the most persecuted people in America. I have never in my Amen. life felt so persecuted as a white person. I've never been so scared to have white children in the future because I'm like, this is only going to get worse. 
and not not a single politician will say the word this is anti-white and it is it i, I see the direction it's going and it's not going to get any better and until we openly embrace and stand up for the fact that we as white people have a say you know we helped build this country we were there in the beginning we discovered this country we built it from the ground up we should have a say and we should be represented and we should not be persecuted like you said had it had this bill been replaced with the word black over white, everybody would be falling over themselves. You know, it was just it's just oh my gosh, outrageous. You know, and it's just out of control. It's very concerning. But you know, even to this day, like I'm getting nervous. You know, because this says it's very vague. It talks about how even if you're like uh, predisposed to white supremacy, maybe you posted something on your social media, bam, you're automatically linked into that group as a criminal. And, you know, it's, I've been called a white supremacist racist by God knows what it's on my Wikipedia. All it takes is a little Googling, and I'm a criminal. That is what this bill says. And, you know, we have to be careful because this bill may die. However, they're going to try and flip it in somewhere else, too. It will, we will see it again. This is just the beginning. They're letting us know what they're doing before they actually do it. They always do that. But this is not the last that we will see of this. I, the only thing I would disagree with what you said before was that I doubt I just cannot see uh, Miss Lee or uh, you know what's her name Ms. Jackson Lee Jackson Lee dumping money anywhere she is a dumpy not a dumper <laughs> <laughs> no, everything else Lord, <laughs> including hey Lauren was on point Keith you can cast a vote for United States Senator you casting it for Lauren I tell you what I'd like to do how much would you like to vote for Lauren very much and let me say this. <laughs> You know, I think you're right. You cannot depend on there being honest elections in blue states, for sure. In red states, I think we still have a fighting chance. But to do that, we need to get rid of these rotten boroughs, these gerrymandered districts like Sheila Jackson Lee's district or Steve Cohen's district in Tennessee. He said it looked like a Rorschach block. Yeah, it did. Uh, Yeah, they are gerrymandered. They look like a, a Rorschach ink block. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, you know, by getting away from that gerrymander, we could get all of these Democrats out of the red states and replace them with people like you, Laura Loomer, and Steve King. No, it's true. And when we are in charge, we should take full, like, charge over that and gerrymander to our benefit. The Democrats. Amen. Hey, now we're talking. Now, this is. When we win, that's we'll how you fight you back. See, fight Tennessee back and Texas the... both have Republican houses of representatives in their state. Well, they should go. They should go for the juggler. You have got to play to win. This is not, you know, a sporting yeah. event. Everybody gets a participation medal. This is life and death for our people. This is our children's and grandchildren's and posterity's future. This isn't something that it can go it's either in way. Wings. No, this is you got to go and you got to play to win and you got to fight with everything you've got and you can't be scared of being called a racist. And so, listen. We've got to have you, Lauren. You won a contested well, primary. If well, you get that to done in Tennessee, we will get you down here and we will run you. Well, okay. uh, in, in Delaware, you ran a contested primary that you weren't supposed to win. You won the primary, and then you gave the Democratic entrenched incumbent the what for. Now, you've been on with us several times. We've talked about that. But I tell you what, you come south. You come down to the south and you run. They would love you. I, I tell you this. I would love for you to primary Marjorie Taylor Greene. I don't know what's happened to her in the last couple I mean, of months. I, I, you, yeah. you go to Georgia. Yeah. You give them everything she's giving them, and you don't have to agree with me, but you give them everything she's giving them, plus 
a high IQ. A, a little bit, a little <laughs> bit uh, more than that. And you're younger and better looking. You know, there I said it. But uh, younger, better looking, and smarter. Okay, so I'm just saying there's a place for you Bill. in. <laughs> What's going on with Marjorie Taylor Greene? Uh, I think I think Loomer can win. I think you could win in the right district, Congress, Senate, whatever. We got to have you. Uh, thoughts about your political future and uh, MGT, uh, wait, MTG. MTG. There you, okay, there you go. Yeah, so you know how I won my Delaware primary and received 50,000 more votes than any other Republican in Delaware history. You know what I did? I went after the unions. I spoke to the, my white constituents because it is a lot easier to flip white people who are the people that the Democrats call the deplorables. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those people. It is so much easier to flip a union worker than it is a inner city black person. It just is. So I didn't try to placate to uh, a constituency that would never vote for me. So I went after those who have struggled, who have children that were dying from the opioid epidemic, people in unions who were being replaced by foreign uh, workers, visa workers, and they were watching as their wages were decreasing and they were being flooded with foreigners who would work twice as long for half as much. And I was able to flip a whole base of people from Democrat to Republican based on issues that mattered to white people. And that matters, you know, it, and I, I it's, you know, controversial to say that, but that was my method. And it worked, you know, because when you speak to people about issues like, hey, you know what? He is right. My kid is dying. Uh, like, I can't stop getting them to kill themselves. You know, we lost all our manufacturing in the state of Delaware. So everybody was on drugs. Like, we're like number three in the country in the overdoses. It, and it's such a small state, you know, and these are issues that matter. And you have to be able to speak to these people. Marjorie Taylor Greene ran being an outsider. I believed in her. I bought into it as well. But as soon as, you know, it kind of happened after that, I don't know if it was like the Jewish space laser things and then the Holocaust tour that she went on, the car made her put her on. I think she has her blackmailed. There's something going on there, either that. I don't know if there's a personal relationship going on there. Either she's got a crush on uh, Kevin McCarthy. But I thought Kevin McCarthy has a crush on Frank Lutz. <laughs> yeah, he does. I heard. His, 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 <laughs> <boy>. <laughs> his bunk buddy, Frank Lutz, who actually, <laughs> he helped the pharmaceutical companies when they were going, they were under fire for Oxycontin because they marketed it as a non-addictive drug, but actually they sparked the opioid epidemic, and Frank Lunt covered for them. That is who Kevin McCarthy partners with. That is All who right. he uh, them with. Lauren, we will talk to you again soon. you got to run again. you got too much to offer not to. Hey, where can people find you? we got 15 seconds. Where, where, where should they go? Yeah, for sure. Find me on Gab Lauren Whitsky, D-E. I'm banned everywhere else, so that's where you can find me. <laughs> Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Jerry Barmash. Five more classified documents were found at President Biden's Delaware home. Aides to President Biden said the latest documents were found earlier this week, but just announced those findings on Saturday. New York Times correspondent Charlie Savage, who's been following the story, says this new discovery is raising more questions. The biggest question raised by this on its face is why did the White House 
say on Thursday, hey, there was one more record found in the space next to Biden's garage. And then it turns out there were six more pages of classified documents found next to his garage. About two dozen classified documents from the president's time as vice president in the Obama administration have been discovered at his Washington think tank offices and in his Delaware home. I'm John Schaefer. Buffalo Bills safety Damar Hamlin is back visiting the team just a little over a week after going into cardiac arrest during a game. There is speculation Hamlin is going to leave the team out of the tunnel before their wild card playoff action against Miami on Sunday. A deadly fire claims the lives of four family members. A mother and three children are dead after a raging house fire in Indiana. According to a release, a fire department arrived at the scene a little after 5 a.m. early Saturday morning. They found the home still burning. Authorities say the fire appears to have started on the second floor. All four victims were found together in one bedroom. Police are still conducting an investigation, trying to determine the cause of the blaze. I'm Dave Collins. Ukrainian officials are reporting a new round of missile attacks in Kiev. The strikes damaged several buildings and sparked fires early Saturday, but no deaths were reported. Someone won the billion-dollar Mega Millions jackpot. The lottery ticket was sold in Maine, matching all six numbers in Friday night's drawing. The lump sum cash payout is worth over $700 million before taxes. This is USA News. Paid for by government.com. Did you hear? A recent stash of $10 Gold Liberty coins from the 1800s has been found. These gorgeous gold coins are as bright and shiny as the day they were struck in the late 1800s. And less than 50 of these gold coins are available. Coin experts are calling this gold find an incredible opportunity. Call 1-888-201-7060. And you are guaranteed a $10 Gold Liberty coin minted by the U.S. Mint in the 1800s. But with extremely limited availability, you must call now. These gold Old Liberty coins from the 1800s are still in uncirculated condition. That is history you can hold in your hand. To learn more, call 1-888-201-7060. Call now and you'll receive a free American Coin Collector's Bonus Package, a $40 value, free with every order. Call 1-888-201-7060 now to secure your $10 Gold Liberty coins dated from the 1800s before they sell out. That's 1-888-201-7060. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is the first. I, I, I tell you this, and this is the truth. This is the first in uh, now our 19th year of broadcasting. We let a guest go, and then we called them back during the break, and they're back with us now after they were actually off the line. We just couldn't get enough of Lauren Witzke. What can we say? Hey, have you ever met her? Have you ever talked to her before? You couldn't get enough of her either. Am I right, Keith? I mean, tell me if I'm well, lying. Well, I hadn't met her, but I can tell you by her pictures and what she says. <laughs> you got <laughs> plenty going for her. <laughs> Quit looking at the pictures. No, it's what she says that counts, of course. But, <laughs> hey, where are we going, Lauren? What do you want to talk about now? We got another We got another <laughs> few more minutes here. Listen, I want to I talk about the future of the GOP. How can we make sure, you know, I'm, I'm concerned because I feel like now that we mentioned Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'm like concerned because she was somebody that I believed in before. You know, she was okay, our girl it. or so she thought. You know, she's turned how, squishy. Yeah. And what ha- what is happening to our politicians when we send them to D.C.? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm super concerned about that because the longer they're there, 
the more it seems that they view us with nothing but contempt, their own, um, you know, constituents, the people that voted them and put them there in the first place. And, you know, it's just, we talk about the anti-white system. However, you know, we are the GOP's base. I think we make up 80% of the GOP's base. Why are they placating to now we're talking. Um, the LGBTQ? Why are they placating to uh, POCs, you know, people that will never vote for us? They're the members of the Washington, D.C. Country Club. Exactly. And it's corrupt. You know, do you remember Madison Cawthorn? Um, he was a young yes. man who yeah, was talking about lobbyists. Yeah. And he ended up, McCarthy got rid of him for talking about the orgies and the drugs and the blackmail. That is how legislation is made by blackmail, by lobbyist groups in D.C. You know, they bring them in. I've heard this multiple times from seated Congress people. Um, they were, you know, these lobbyist groups, they're these parties, they invite the politicians to them, and then they get them to like blow a line of, of cocaine or something with a prostitute. Well, bam, they have blackmail. Now, that um, politician is absolutely beholden to whatever that lobbyist decides. And Madison Cawthorn was, was actually talking about that in a podcast. And as a result, he ended up getting targeted. They attacked him. They released like footage of him when, from years ago with his cousin and like just embarrassing things until he was pushed out of his seat. Yeah, let me say audacity. this. Let me interrupt you right there, if you don't mind, Lauren, because I know sure. that you've met. I know, you know, Madison Cawthorn, who just yeah. left Congress as they were reseated now, finally, after the McCarthy vote and all of that. So you've, you, you have a much greater familiarity with him than I do. But I, I watched all of that. I will tell you this. I have a pretty good first impressions mean a lot. Okay. And I have a pretty right. good judge of character and I can tell just by meeting somebody or reading about them or seeing a picture, even if it's somebody that we might have some common ground with all of that, that they used against him, that whole thing, uh, you know, horseplay and you know, all of that, that was nothing, nothing to a criminally corrupt behavior that so many, I mean, you look at all of the people who have been forced out by, by scandal. You're talking about uh, what Jim Trafficant and Steve Stockman. And, what, well, and the Madison big question Cawthorn. is what is, uh, this is uh, nothing what, compared what is to disqualifying now. I mean, yeah, you know, that's right. You know, well, it used I, to be that having an affair and you were a married person would get you kicked out. Now, you know, I, pedophilia is uh, well, that whole, the only but thing. That left. whole thing, that was locker room stuff with Madison Cawthorn. That was nothing. They tried to make that into a big deal. These are criminally corrupt people, literally guilty of treason. They're going to make this this sort of you know stuff that high school and college guys do. That was nothing. I saw that. I said, that's nothing. And it infuriated me because I could tell that he was a good guy. And he's gone yeah, now. You know and he shouldn't have made, been. But, but the good thing out of that, that everything came out, is we... People don't want to hammer into this. He revealed how legislation is made in D.C. It is made by blackmail and lobbyist groups. Our representation is not our own. So how do we stop that from happening in the future? Because, say, we send our candidate, they get caught up in something, they weaponize blackmail against people. You know, of course, sending a person to D.C. who has the character and integrity not to get caught up in that would be ideal. However, you know, those people are seated there already. They're not going anywhere. And they're beholden to these, like, by blackmail. You know, that is the truth. So how do we get rid of the people that are already sitting there that are being blackmailed? That's why they vote for things. And it's like, nobody wants this. Like, absolutely nobody wanted to remove our historical monuments. Absolutely nobody. 
wanted to send more money over to Ukraine. However, they keep voting against their constituents' interests. And it's because they are beholden to blackmail and lobbyists and lobbyist groups. So how do we fight back as America first? How do we take our country back? How do we even approach this to begin to take our country back? Because, I mean, can we come back from this? Because, like you said, it's a, it's a, it's a club. It's a club, and it is almost unbreakable. Um, and they have it all planned out. I hope with this new McCarthy speakership, with those 20 people standing up, um, you know, that they can hold him to it. However, you know, do you think that America can come back from this or do you think we are too far gone? Well, I'm afraid we're too far gone, but I hope we're not too far gone. I think we need a, a new ethics code. For people that I got it, and I've got it. I've got it for you. I, I I think we may be too far gone. I think that well, look, Lauren. I mean, you know, since uh, Biden's inauguration, all of the polls that show a great racial awakening amongst the Republican voter base, the Republican voter base has moved light years right. light years to the right uh, in the course of the last couple of years, and that's something. You need somebody to put a bit in their mouth and bridle them and ride them to victory because well, see, they, the they, they're is, waiting. No, no, no. They're waiting for somebody. They're waiting for the person to step into the moment and harness that energy. The Republican base is there, but somebody has got to step into the moment, this intersection of timing and circumstance, and say, I am here to stand up for the white majority that built this country. Well, see, Southerners are used to being treated like the redheaded stepchild at the family reunion. We were treated like that for all over 100 years by the Democrats, and then when we went to the Republicans, they didn't want us either. Well, all right, but to, to the overall point, you're right, you're right, Keith, but the overall point is I, I think there is a moment waiting to happen, but somebody's got to have the courage to step up and say, this is who I represent, yeah. and I'm going to harness that energy. Uh, other than that, I think America is going to balkanize into the future. Uh, I think our people are still a little bit too comfortable. Once you have an economic collapse, yeah, the, you yeah. know something's going to happen then. I mean, I, I think they're, there are they're be, seriously coming after us now. I it's, think there's going to be chances though in our lifetime, Lauren. Uh, yeah, it may be yours too, Keith. <laughs> you know what else concerns me? A big concerning factor is I'm watching as Biden's poll numbers keep going down. Like he is the most disliked president in American history. Usually, presidential candidates who are set to run again, they would change course. That's the thing. But his poll numbers keep getting worse, and he just leans in. That's because of the rigged election. And, well, and McConnell's exactly. at 29% in Kentucky. McConnell is at 29% in Kentucky. When is somebody going to step in and say, I speak for you? Nobody said that yet, and they are waiting. They are waiting for – people wait for a leader. The fix is in. People wait for a leader. No, we, we need a leader. That we, we, we thought it might have been Trump. It wasn't. We need a Trump-like guy to step in and take this. And you can got more sense than Trump anywhere you want. Yeah. Well, Trump actually hurt himself. You know, I don't know if it's the advisors he brought around him again. I know he has somebody who's in the LGBTQ community who's advising him, who's telling him it's a great idea to hold Mar-a-Lago uh, gay rallies. Like, and it's like, who is what happened to the Donald Trump in 2016 that told me we were going to deport the illegal aliens? They aren't sending their best. They're rapists. And they have to go back. We're going to build a big, beautiful wall. He spoke to the white working class. You know, he spoke to the American worker. He cared about issues like the opioid epidemic. And I don't know what happened to that Trump. I got a vaccine salesman uh, who is, you know, who cares more <laughs> about the, the gay marriage agenda, 
then, you know, it's just a completely different person. You know, I believed in Trump in 2016. The American and American class. Yeah, and I'm not optimistic about his 2024 run. Like, I loved loved Trump. I was such a supporter of Trump, but I've never been so disappointed. Like, I'm, like, looking at – I wasn't a fan of – like, I, I like DeSantis. I like what he's saying. But it's looking like I'm going to have to, like, vote for somebody else. But even still, I'm not that optimistic about DeSantis and changing America, you know, because he's still part of the uh, Zio Club. Well, you know what I'm saying? It's like it's. Oh, yeah, well, now, now, now we're talking. Yeah, now we're talking. Yeah, she got you going, Keith. Well, go. Lauren, look, I don't think you have to worry about Trump. The Democrats are going to take care of him. We've all heard that you can indict a ham sandwich in New York, D.C., or in Fulton County, uh, Georgia. Fulton, Georgia. I think you're going to find that you can convict a ham sandwich too. They're going to try to disqualify him, and I think they'll probably succeed in one of those venues uh, with a violation of the Espionage Act, which they will say disqualifies him from holding any federal job, including the president. So, you know, right. we'll just see how which way the mop flops on that, but I, it doesn't look good for Trump right now, in my opinion. Yeah, and, 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 and he didn't— uh, he didn't appear to show that he learned anything by recommending McCarthy. Yeah, I mean, we, that, we yeah, I said, we, well, I said he, maybe he learned, learned anything. something after those four years about surrounding himself with these people. And then he endorsed McCarthy for speaker. I mean, what the hell are you doing? I, mean, I love you. I voted for you twice, even after you denounced me and your son denounced me and Hope Hicks denounced me, and that's fine. We got you a lot of publicity, though, dude. <laughs> you won the first time. Hey, well, Lauren, we've been with you this long. Can you go one more segment? Yep, let's go. All right, Lord Whiskey, one more segment right after this. I'm Michael Hill, president of the League of the South. I and my compatriots are Southern nationalists. We seek the survival, well-being, and independence of the Southern people, our people. The League wants a South that enjoys the sweet fruits of Christian liberty and prosperity, but our current situation won't allow it. We must have our independence from Washington, D.C., and the globalists. The present system cannot be reformed. Without independence, we will continue down this path of destruction. To us, this is not acceptable. I'm asking you, Southern man and woman, to join us today to free the South. Call us at 256-757-6789 or see our website at www.leagueofthesouth.com. God save the South. Do you know what is great about America? Ask an Immigrant. Ask an Immigrant is a new podcast dedicated to helping Americans, especially our youth, value, appreciate, and be grateful for the freedoms we have here in America. Join host Lydia Wallace-Nuttle as she interviews immigrants from around the world to discover their inspiring personal stories about why they came to America. To learn more about why America is the most prosperous, greatest country in the world, download the Loving Liberty app or go to lovingliberty.net. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com.
so good to be with you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Keith Alexander, you know, uh, we are at the dawn of a new year, two weeks into it, our 19th now on the radio. Can you believe it? I mean, we've talked about it a couple of times here, but uh, it's gone by fast, has it not? I tell you what, I don't see how we did it. <laughs> Everybody was laying landmines for us. <laughs> Well, we played whack-a-mole very well. 19 years it'll be this fall uh, on your radio airwaves. And it is a pleasure, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. and Mrs. TPC listening audience, to be with you here tonight, as the Raspberry said in that uh, great song. But uh, also with us tonight, Lauren Witzke. So, Lauren, here's, here's my philosophy. My philosophy is I determine my position on any issue based upon the answer to a single question, is it good for my people? And my people are the European people. My people are white people. I appreciate everybody. I want everybody to live well and prosper. But I close ranks with the people who share a commonality, a commonality. Why should of, white of, Gentiles of, of, not have a sense of racial well, solidarity when everyone else is allowed it? ancestry, culture, language, faith, folkways, you name it, uh, that that's my people, and so if it's in the benefit of my people to live in a democracy, I'm all for it. If it's in the benefit of my people to live under a monarchy, I'm all for it. You say, well, that you're you're a hypocrite. No, I'm not. I'm consistent. What's good for our people? That's where our representatives have to get it right because everybody else is playing the identitarian game, and it's not a bad game. I think it's moral. I think it's morally sound. Why wouldn't you stand yeah, for your how family? How can the Jews get onto that when they're benchmark for everything is it good for the jews well that's right so it's it's look everybody else does it it's moral it's natural to put your family first not at the expense of everyone else but first still our people have to do it we gotta have representatives that are willing to do it you're one who ran and won a contested primary that would be willing to do it how far are we removed from others like you well i mean here's the thing i'm not currently running for office so i feel free to say whatever i want um, however, you know, when you're on the campaign trail, they will hit you hard for saying the things that I've said on this interview tonight, you know, but we have, but a lot of people feel the same way that I feel. They're just too scared to speak up. And, you know, we are supposed to be their voice and we need more people that are willing to say the things that everybody believes, but it isn't a, like, it's afraid to say to themselves because of course, you know, if you're just a business owner and you say something pro-white or you talk about, hey, it's not okay that we are losing the majority in our country, they will come for you. They will take your livelihood. They will shut you down. They will uh, file, you know, lawsuits against you. They will do everything they can to destroy you. That is why we need representatives who are bold, people who will run for office on the issues that matter, that will be their voice, because that's what our job is supposed to be. And, you know, I... I don't know if there's anybody else. You know, I'm a girl. I actually think more white men should run for office. However, I wasn't liking anything that they were saying. You know, I didn't feel like there was a, a missile <laughs> compared to me who was willing to say the things in boldness and not back down. That's the thing. Like, I mean, my story is a long story. You know, I struggled with addiction for years. I, you know, I was with the worst of the worst of them. There's nothing that they can do to me that is any worse than anything I've already walked through. You know, I have lived through the trenches. They can't hurt me. That's the thing. And we need people who are like that, who have that mentality. Nothing they can do to me can hurt me because I've already been through the fire. And it is time we are losing our country and we are running out of time. 
And I truly believe that. I actually kind of agree with you where I'm saying we're a little too far gone. Democracy has failed. Um, you know, democracy got us a country that is flooded with people who don't share our culture, that don't share our beliefs, and then have been radicalized on top of that to hate us. And, you know, we are losing um, this fight. And I'm not really optimistic about the future. So the only way we can move forward is a drastic change, maybe balkanization. I don't know. I think that would Biden would use that, uh, the Democrats or whoever's in charge will use that as an opportunity to bring in the U.N. And it would be a massacre. You know, they are waiting. But, for you us know, Lauren, something. more and more people, you're right. They will call you racist. They'll call you everything except the child of God. If you take a forthright position, just like blacks do, like Jews do, like uh, Hispanics do, but more and more white people are saying, so what? You know, that's what we've seen from our Yeah, I think the only thing holding us back is that we are too comfortable. If we become a little bit more uncomfortable, and that would have to come with, hey, there's not enough beer in the fridge, we can't get the football game on Sunday. And then, you know, if you have an economic collapse, then, you know, all bets are off. And I think that... Ideologically speaking, we have been talking about this for two years since the Biden inauguration, that poll after poll, not our polls, but their polls, the polls that they cite when they want to know who's winning a presidential election. These polls say that whites are moving in our direction with regards to racial reality. Well, if all of these, if 60, 70, 80 percent of Trump voters agree with us on these fundamental issues, why haven't we won already? The the reason is they're, 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 well, <laughs> well, okay. But besides that, the the, the the reason is that they're still too comfortable. They're not going to risk, and you can't blame them for this in a way. They're not going to risk being able to put food on the table for their family to go out and champion a cause. Uh, but they are with yep. us there in spirit, and so they're waiting. And if they're waiting for a leader, if they're waiting for the collapse, there is going to be an opportunity. Now, not every opportunity leads to something that's going to be a favorable uh, outcome, but I think that we will live to see that opportunity, an opportunity that doesn't exist tonight. I think so, too, and I think it's going to get rough. I think it's going to get worse, and hopefully, you know, God will rise up somebody. I am praying that God rises up somebody who can help us and stand with us and be fearless and bold and take down. I mean, this is literal Satanism that we're fighting. I mean, it is the most evil darkness that I have ever seen. You know, they force injected people with a bioweapon and we're watching them die on live television as they gaslight us on TV and tell us, oh, no, 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 you're the conspiracy theorist. You know, we don't know how dark and how deep this goes. We need a What we need is we more need people us. like you that will call a spade a dirty shovel. Yeah, that, that, you know, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, I agree. Men should be taking the mantle, but short of that and, the, you know, that that's a problem. Yeah, I know. Please and run I mean, again. <laughs> run again. <laughs> when you hit the nail on the head, you drive it straight. Well, you got two failed candidates here. I ran for the state house. Keith ran for judge and property tax assessor. I mean, we we've been there, but not not necessarily on the level of Keith won a primary. I didn't. Yeah, I won a prime. I won a Republican primary, uh, and I got forty percent. Even though they called me a white supremacist and whatnot. Yeah, God knows we don't like to be called that. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do if I wasn't called that. I think that's boosted my numbers, actually. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. How will you ever recover? You were called the R word, racist. Yeah. You know, and it's a, and I, I don't know. I don't know, but I think we're going to see some heroes rising up because our country is desperate. Our people are desperate. And I'm, I'm 
optimistic that we will see people rising up during this time. And like you said, people have to get uncomfortable. Their sports ball can't air on the TV anymore, or, you know, they can't afford to get a six pack of beer or they can't even get it because Joe Biden has completely dismantled the, you know, the supply chain as well. You know, things have to get a lot worse before people get uncomfortable enough to motivate when they can't fix the jet ski that's the ultimate of push (laughs) no i think she named it there's foot this is football this is a wild card weekend if football wasn't on tv tonight we'd have already won (laughs) taken to the streets (laughs) that's right it's true anyway we we want there to be a chance yep the minds of america are mush and uh, they need a radical wake-up call and i pray we get one soon because you know it's not looking good, guys. I mean, our country is overrun uh, with migrants. Biden's about to bring in another 30,000 a month, like 30,000 Haitians, Nicaraguans a month. I mean, guys, we're running out of time. So I want to encourage anybody listening to this, if you feel called to run for office, run for office. Um, go big or go home. My first run, I went for the United States Senate, and I would have won if they hadn't changed the election law that year just to defeat me. Um, you know, and you can do it. And if you stand bold and courageous in what you believe in and you don't back down, people are looking for that. People are looking for somebody who will not apologize That's or right. placate or care about what people say. We are dying for somebody like that. So if you feel called to it, do it. Run hard. I ran in the like most blue. I ran in with Joe Biden at the top of my ticket, and I <laughs> still, yeah. Joe Biden at the top of my ticket, and I still got 40%. And I walked into Election Day with 160,000 mail-in ballots for my opponent up front. You know, like, I didn't stand a chance, but we still gave them hell, and we scared them. And that's what you have to do. You have to get out there, and you have to scare the hell out of them. So I want to encourage everybody who feels called to run for office, please run. Please represent us well, and don't apologize. Make them spend their ordinance. I mean, that's the thing. We want them to spread out their ordinance. The more and more people that do this, the less these the charge of racism and white supremacist sting. And, and Trump did a lot to defuse that for all of his faults. Him being called a racist, a white supremacist, a neo-Nazi every single day of his campaign and then his administration said, hey, if it, the setting president's all of this, then it can't be that bad. Keith, final word. Well, I hope we get the wake-up call alarm, but I hope it doesn't involve a mushroom cloud. <laughs> Well, well, hey, we'll see. I tell you what, they'll mismanage this whole situation as they have the last couple of years. Provoking something they don't know what they're dealing well, with. That's a whole other topic of conversation, foreign policy in Russia and Ukraine. Although we did touch on it tonight, uh, God's will be done. It's, it's a terrible brother's war. But uh, anyway, I see it from uh, not America's well, side. As, as long <laughs> as white people are dying, they're okay with it. Yeah, they're, they're certainly okay with that, as they have been between the world wars and everything else. Well, anyway, Lauren, once again, for the second time this hour, we find that we're out of time with you, and it's gone by too fast still. Give us that contact information one more time, and we're already looking forward to the next time. Absolutely. So um, I currently am working for Stu Peters. You can check out our work at stupeters.com. You can also find me directly at Lauren Witzke, D-E, on Gab. Lauren Witzke, D-E, on Gab. Uh, please follow her there, and we will talk to her again soon, but not soon enough. Thank you, Lauren, again. Uh, God bless you and keep you. Keith Alexander for Steve King and Lauren and all of our staff and crew here at Liberty News Radio and here on TPC. We'll see you next week uh, as long as Jesus tarries. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Steve King, Lauren, you can do a lot worse than that on a night of talk radio. Absolutely. I promise you. 
Good night, everybody. You're listening to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com.